Thank you very much. It is five minutes past five, and you're with Grant Edwards, and uh, we're just uh, checking the levels because Grant's been fiddling again, hasn't he? He's been fiddling, and I just want to make sure that everything's okay. Looks all right, and I think we're going, uh, going, uh, we're streaming, are we? Yes, I was fiddling there the other day, and every time I put the microphone on, no one could hear me. <laughs> oh dear. And uh, so these things happen anyway. Anyway, thanks. Welcome to the program. It, uh, it's going to be a lovely day. I think it's dark where I am. Uh, what about you? Uh, probably not if you're from overseas. Um, what, are the, what are the times? Let's have a look at times here just quickly and then we'll let you know what's going on for the weather so you know how to dress. Well, Auckland, it's five o'clock and where I am here, it's uh, probably the same. <laughs> London, it's uh, just gone four o'clock in the afternoon yesterday, <laughs> Wednesday. New York's 11 o'clock in the morning and in Jerusalem it is six o'clock at night last night. So there you are. We're ahead of the West. Uh, the, we are ahead of the, the West, <laughs> the rest. And um, what else happens to us here? Well, we see the sun before anyone else. Our computers start before anyone else. And uh, I can always remember Barry Smith saying, we're the first to start trading. So we'll be the first to uh, bring in the cashless society here. We're the guinea pig country, he used to say. So we'll be hearing from Barry Smith between now and six o'clock. I remember when I was in my 20s, he was on the Leighton Smith show. I was probably about 23, I think, at the time. Well, maybe a little older, I'm not sure. Hmm... Yeah, possibly. Uh, I had a shoe store, actually, in Mungary Bridge, of all places. I was only about, I think I bought that when I was 19. Yeah, we, we didn't muck around, us Edwards. It was very, we really wanted to get ahead in, in the world. No mucking around, no wages. Didn't like, I, I, I think I very, I might have worked, I never enjoyed working for other people. Um, I enjoyed being my own boss. I quite like that. Uh, so when did I did work for, um, well, when I was very young, I did work for wages. Sort of, it's, it's the wages are a way of sort of taking away your dreams, aren't they? They gives you money, they give you money every week, and it sort of stops you, it stops you thinking, stops you being hungry, stops you hustling a little bit, I think, too. You know, thinking, you know, when business, with, in business, you know, so you've got sort of one area of your business. You might say, oh, gosh, it's not doing so well. You can see the writing on the walls. You don't just get a letter saying, oh, <laughs> by the way, you're fired. Um, yeah, you don't, um, you say, oh, that's dropping off a little bit there. So you look for other avenues of bringing money in. So you're always sort of thinking about how you can how you can get ahead. It's quite quite good, actually. It keeps you sharp. And as I said, you see the writing on the walls. Okay, we'll go to weather, and uh, we'll just go straight to weather, shall we? Do we need to play anything? Do we? Oh, we better do the in. Yes, we'll do the introduction. We'll just play a little ad for TNT Radio, seeing as they kindly allow us to take the news. It's nine past five. We'll be back in a moment. You're home for the news. They do a great job of breaking down the big story. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. Would you call yourself a socialist? Uh, no. You've never told a lie in politics? No, no. See, somebody sent me a video actually last Friday and it had you talking at the socialist community. Oh, right. yes, yes. And you mentioned the word comrade uh, about four times in a minute. What was that about? It was a rally and I would have been about 25 years old. Comrade, 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 comrade. Comrade, 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 comrade. That was in 2009. Oh, well, I can't remember which country it was in. Has changed since those days? No, not particularly. No. If you are caught in a lie or caught intentionally 
misleading the New Zealand public. How would you expect to be held to account? Well, I actually believe that it is possible to exist in politics without lying. We drum in that messaging around the dangers of COVID pretty diligently for a full two-week period of sustained propaganda. Sustained propaganda. Yes, I bet you do, love. I bet you do. We're going to bring you back. Hopefully, if all goes well, if all goes according to plan, you'll be brought back here in handcuffs to New Zealand and you'll have to stand trial. You and all the other crooks. You in Bloomfield. Uh, I think, where are you? Harvard. Yes. I didn't, do we have an extradition order there? <laughs> All right. Let's look at weather. Let's uh, go straight to the weather and uh, we will look at the extremes. It's very windy at the moment in Castle Point. 76 kilometres per hour. That's almost 50, 50, well, that's about 40 knots, 40, 45 knots. And that's, I think it's gusting. I'm not sure whether that actually means that it's constant, but that is a fair old blowing at Castle Point. Mosgiel, they have the lowest temperature. It is 6.9 degrees at 11 minutes past 5 in Mosgiel. And Auckland and Manukau, it's the warmest place to be, 16.4. The wettest place is Westport, down on the west coast of the South Island, 12 degrees and 0.6 millimetres of rain. Uh, the short forecast for Northland to Waikato, including the Coromandel. Cloudy periods and the odd shower for you, for Waitomo, Kapiti, and also for Taumaranui and, uh, or Taramanui, I should say, they say down there, Taramanui and Taramhappy. Uh, mostly cloudy with a few showers, clearing this afternoon and becoming fine. Oh, looks good. Uh, what have you got here for Bay of Plenty and Tarpo, also for Gisborne and Hawke's Bay? You've got fine spells, scattered showers with afternoon uh, showers, mainly about the ranges, and some possibly heavy. For the Wairarapa to Wellington, also for Marlborough and Nelson, fine at first, but areas of cloud from afternoon with isolated showers about the ranges. For Buller and Westland in the uh, South Island of New Zealand, showers clearing this afternoon are becoming fine. For Canterbury, Otago, Fine this morning. Cloud increasing this afternoon with isolated showers. Some may be heavy inland. Uh, for the remainder of Otago, also for Southland and Fjordland, fine about uh, central Otago. Showers elsewhere clearing this afternoon, but a few showers persisting about Fjordland and Stewart Island. And finally for the Chatham Islands, clearing this evening. There we are. How about that? Well, if you've got any news... Um, yeah, we had a big long one, didn't we, yesterday? Big long, uh, gosh, I mean, forever. Started at five o'clock. And uh, then John Ansell, um, we had a conversation. He said, oh, no, I'm busy. I'm watching I'm watching Alex Jones. I said, oh, really? I said, so we better take it. I said, what's on? He goes, oh, you know, tell me that um, Barry Young, who's the whistleblower, the wonderful man, the wonderful hero, fantastic man, selfless man, um, just loves New Zealand, loves us. It sounds like he had a bit of a Pommy accent, didn't he? Sound, I think he's English, probably, yeah, I'd say he's English. He's a senior analyst, so he's not some sort of, doesn't sweep the floor over there at the Ministry of Health. Senior analyst, I believe he's been there since 2018. And uh, so anyway, so he's, so the whole world has started to find out, but as John said, you know, we might be in a bit of a bubble, the people, because we're so heavily censored, aren't we? just shockingly censored here in New Zealand and uh, so we, it might not be as, uh, as good as we thought uh, people might not know about it and of course the local media here in New Zealand they're as tight-lipped as ever they, they love their jobs they just want to be journalists don't they they love it they can't afford they might have an expensive car they've got to pay off or they've got a mortgage or they're living in a flash part or maybe they haven't got a house at all they're just paying crazy rent in an expensive part of Auckland or somewhere Wellington and uh, they just want to keep the job, you know? Got the lifestyle they want to live. 
lifestyles more important than the lives of other New Zealanders, of their fellow man. Terrible people. And also they'll be trained by a leftist organisation as well. You know, really, that's what happens. You... Um, I could see that coming actually. Even in the even in the nineties, they were kind of they had this sort of leftist attitude, a feminist um, leftist attitude that um, journalists had. Uh, very interesting, and a lot of groupthink as well. Melanie Phillips, she was a I think she was editor for. Well, she's a pretty senior UK journalist, and um, she was a, a senior editor for. I can't quite remember who it is, but she was an editor for. But she's of Jewish descent. Well, she's Jewish, and um, she said that she noticed there was a groupthink within within journalism in the UK, where you weren't allowed. There were certain stories you weren't allowed to write about, and uh, and if you yet if you did if you did write about them, and and it wasn't the the the, the, the party line, so to speak. You said she said you didn't get invited to the parties. I wonder if I can. I'll dig her out. Actually, I'll. Um, Melanie, fantastic woman, actually. Look her up anyway, Melanie Phillips, um, if I don't get time to do that, but I'll, I'll see if I can. Uh, so we'll go over to the papers, shall we, and just see what they're going to dish up for us today. Uh, I'll be back in a moment, and we'll go to Radio New Zealand, I suppose, and have a look at them, and then we'll go through News Hub and then stuff, and uh, we'll go to Sky News as well if I get time. We'll have a look at the Jerusalem Post, although, you know, it's, I don't know, we don't, do we know anything about that? Not really. There's a lot of stuff happens over there funny names that I can't pronounce, and um, stuff that we've probably never heard of. So I don't know, it was all sort of at the time when the when the war first broke out, when the Islamic terrorists uh, came across the border there and came in and slaughtered, you know, 14, 13 or 1,400 Jewish, innocent Jewish families just going about their daily lives. Uh, you know, we all sort of went, you know, to the to you know overseas I mean you wouldn't just listen to what your own newspaper was telling you would you your own media here you'd go and have a look over wouldn't you you'd go somewhere else and have a look at some other publications so there you are we'll be back in a moment how good are you at giving blowjobs oh no and he looks at me like kind of a freaking question is that yeah. he says I'm sorry and I said yeah how good are you at giving it he says no I said when you were 11 years old did anybody teach you how to give one God. no why would they teach me that that's what they're teaching in schools right now in many different places. Mm. It's disgusting, isn't it? I hate that one. I might take that one off. I don't like hearing it. Uh, 16 minutes past five. It's actually I'm still a minute quicker. So, you know, that probably with the... There's a bit of a delay when you when we're streaming. So when I say 16... Oh, no, it's still going to be... Oh, yeah, that no, might be right, actually. Yes, yeah, so I probably was, isn't so wrong. Okay, we're over at New Zealand... Uh, no, not the Herald. We're over at Radio New Zealand rnz.co.nz you'll find them there Ukrainians prepare for long war what a load of rubbish what a load of rubbish they're finished <laughs> you can't believe a word they tell you they say uh, they're preparing for a long war I think they're just running they're, they're, they're just um, they're handing themselves in what are they they're surrendering to the Russians because they know the Russians will look after them uh, they're trying to avoid conscription um, apparently I heard a rumour yesterday that it looks as though um, Zelensky is going to try and get to the United States, live over there, because I tell you what, they'll lynch him when they, you know, if they get hold of him, because uh, his own country they hate him, because uh, over five hundred and fifty thousand Ukrainian troops have died on the battlefield. That's just on the battlefield. We're not talking about probably some innocent civilians that were harmed, although the Russians, not too much of that, is there? They try and they try and blame the Russians for this, that, and the other. I'm. Um, 
Yeah, I'm. Oh boy, this it's a weird. It's a weird. I just can't believe it's gone on this long. So obviously, um, United. Well, really, it's Washington and London who controlled NATO. NATO doesn't seem to have a voice, according to former Trump advisor, White House advisor, Colonel Douglas McGregor. So I might dig him out as well. So who have I got to get? I've got to get Melanie Phillips for you, Melanie, and Melanie Phillips, and also Douglas, Douglas McGregor. I'll drag him out. Yeah, I was a bit, a bit late getting organised this morning. And uh, McGregor, that's with a Mac. So you can look him up yourself. And also, there's another guy who does some long-form videos. Um, his name is Alexander Mercurius. You could look him up as well. Uh, and I might actually, while I'm here, while we're thinking about it, why don't I find, give you a bit of an insight into this uh, this bloke. Now, where have I got those hidden? Ah, um, yes, Scott Ritter. He's done quite a bit on him why don't we have because um, apparently uh, yeah the British are pretty much MI6 are pretty much controlling him well here, listen to Scott Ritter and it'll fill you in on on Zelensky he's not what he's cracked up to be we had a meeting at the MI6 office Unfortunately, I can't disclose all the information. It's a matter of state affairs. Autumn 2020. Ukrainian media accidentally, or maybe not, learned about Zelensky's secret meeting with Richard Moore, the head of MI6. Not just anywhere, but at the headquarters of British Intelligence Service. According to the president, the meeting was about protecting Ukraine's sovereignty. Everyone understands. The MI6 office gave the president of Ukraine a precise directive. The thing is, after the Maidan in 2014, there are quite a lot of Ukrainian opposition media. Obviously, they were preventing the creation of an image of Russia as an enemy to Western countries. It was decided to end the dissenters with Zelensky's hands. And to prevent the president from getting bored and to help him practice English, he was surrounded by British security. This was in the spring of 2022, in the midst of war in Bucha. Look at these scenes. Do you see a patch on the sleeve of one of the guys near Zelensky? The Ukrainian flag is upside down. A local would have been shot on the spot for this. But this guy is okay. Do you know why? Because he has the right to. He is a foreigner, like everyone else around Zelensky. In fact, judging by the pronunciation, they're British. As we can see, Zelensky's security team consists of Brits. Quite marvelous, because we have the so-called Ninth Administration, the President's security, with 1,800 professional military guys, special forces, and combat swimmers. Well, not surprising. Firstly, UK intelligence services most likely helped Zelensky with the theatrical staging in Bucha. Secondly, the British follow every step of their agent, even during the meeting with the Pope. Oh, this episode deserves special attention. It seemed to me like a meeting between a priest and a devil. Judge for yourselves. Zelensky went to the Vatican in a black sweatshirt with the emblem of the UNO, Ukrainian Nationalist Organization. He gave the Pope an icon with a black silhouette instead of Christ which is outright Satanism, according to church canons. He plopped into a chair before the host. For those unaware, this is a gross violation of etiquette. And he didn't pay much attention to Pope Francis's peaceful initiatives. Italians considered that rude. I'm sure this whole comedy was a distraction. The central communication of Zelensky took place not in the Pope's office, but in the next room. 
without the involvement of Pope Francis, but with the participation of the Minister of Foreign Affairs of the Holy See, Archbishop Paul Richard Gallagher, a native Brit whose cardinals are conducting powerful propaganda in Ukraine. The Ukrainian president spoke with Gallagher for almost an hour and a half. But the main detail is that the head of MI6, Richard Moore, was also present at the meeting in the Vatican. Maybe this fact explains the record-breaking motorcade of the leader of independent Ukraine over 20 cars. Well, that was good, wasn't it? Uh, well, I don't know if it was good, <laughs> but uh, he's not what we all sort of what we're led to believe, are we? Uh, is he? No, not at all. Hey, uh, let's go. Uh, let's go now to the back to Radio New Zealand, and we'll just uh, finish off the headlines there. So the Ukrainian they're preparing for this long war. Uh, I was trying to dig out to Colonel Douglas McGregor, but I got sidetracked with a um, a marital case. <laughs> so I might bring you that as well. The judge for once ruled in favour of the bloke. Uh, and and he, he, incredible. Anyway, I'll just move on down. We'll go to sport for now. Just have a quick look at sport. It won't be long. There, we we'll just just look at the headlines to start with. Twenty twenty three, the All Black season, from thrillers of uh, to glory and the end of Foster's reign. There's an analysis there if you're interested in rugby. All Blacks is rugby, isn't it? Uh, Jamie Wall. He's uh, he's a good bloke, and he's got an analysis. He t- he takes a look at. Uh, back at one of the most intriguing All Black seasons. And there's a councillor, I don't know if it's Auckland, could be, uh, Murray Chong anyway, uh, he says that cycle lanes, separate, those separation barriers, they could be preventing him from pulling his low-riding car out of the way for an emergency services vehicle. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, he looks like he's got sort of an RX-7 or something like that. I, I don't know, it looks, almost looks like a Corvette Stingray, but it's probably not. Um, yes, he said those cycle lane barriers they're a bit of a problem when you pull over yeah, that's right, you can't let the emergency services vehicle go you'll you know, rip the bottom part of your car out and Dame Rangi Marie Nida Clavish is it Clavish or Clavish? I don't know she split on the government's approach to Maori language she was a woman that used Kiora that means hello I think it means hello, goodbye does it? oh no, maybe not uh, Kiora, and it was she was her use of it was so controversial that it warranted intervention by the prime minister of the t- of the day, but she has split views on the government's approach to what she calls Tamari, uh, Tereo Maori. That's her there. She looks like a very sweet, sweet person. Now, and we've got other stories here. Let me see what else have we got for you today. Well, the police minister Mark Mitchell, he's the the incoming police minister. Not sure about him. He's got some wacky ideas. Better read. He better read. If he's the police minister, he better brush up on the Bill of Rights in 1990. And that's the one that Geoffrey Palmer put together with another bloke. Can't remember the other bloke. It was just Geoffrey Palmer, I can remember. Anyway, so what does Mitchell say? He looks a gruff little fellow. What have we got here? The new police minister, Mark Mitchell, has set his expectations for the police commissioner. That's Andrew Acosta. Andrew Acosta, laying out the government's direct uh, direction and priorities in a letter. Mitchell has repeatedly refused to do, declare his confidence in Andrew Acosta, uh, who turn, whose term ends, no, it doesn't end until the end of, um, well, sometime in 2025. That's far too long, isn't it? He was appointed by Jacinda. I think there's some sort of a relationship there through marriage or something with Jacinda. And our New Zealand police organisation and frontline staff are working in a far more complex, demanding and dangerous environment that requires focused, strong and supportive leadership. My expectation is for that leadership to be evident, Mitchell said in a statement. The letter, 
was released by the Public Servant Commissioner, who helped draft it. Oh, okay. See, this is the thing. They're not as bright as they come across. Mitchell and Costa met on Wednesday and agreed to terms. There we are. So that's him. People want to feel safe in their homes, don't they? And I think that's what he said to him. And, uh, you know, people that are are protesting at Parliament, waiting for the politicians to come down and talk to them, don't want to be bashed up while they're waiting. And dragged off, you know, (laughs) dragged out by your hair. This sort of nonsense. So it was a terrible time, wasn't it, the last three years? Uh, Okay, so that's the police minister. A woman vindicated after... This is what I was looking at before. This is interesting. Apparently she has been vindicated now. But uh, it's an interesting little case. The High Court has found that a judge ineffectively, uh, rather effectively teamed up with the lawyers of an ex-husband to strip a woman of her property rights and force her to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal costs. The woman known as Mrs. P, maybe she smoked a bit of P, I don't know. Maybe he did. He's Mr. P. Mr. and Mrs. P, uh, her real name has been permanently suppressed. She has ruled... It was ruled in 2005 by the family court judge. His name was Peter Kalanikos after the couple's separation agreement landed in the court. Now, P, that's the husband. He was from a well-known Gisborne farming family. Oh, there you go, you see. They sort of, they sort of have a bit of power, a bit of control over, over uh, the, local, the local judge, maybe. I don't know. And Mrs. P, she was a teacher from Hawke's Bay. And they were married for some 16 years. And then they were separated, and their relationship property included a farm and multiple houses. Judge Kalanikos, he ruled in her ex-husband's favour, which is quite extraordinary. But the repercussions went further than that. As well as losing her rights to the matrimonial property, gosh, normally they'd carve it up, wouldn't they? Uh, Mrs P was forced to serve a sentence of nine months home detention for perjury. Well, if she told lies in her affidavit, I think... <laughs> think that's good if she, if she did only to have the conviction later overturned uh, ordered to pay $250,000 in costs gosh and declared bankrupt boy he really got into old Judge Kalanikos <laughs> there's a part of me saying good on you but no you know obviously if it's if it's not right it does seem a bit unfair doesn't it but then we weren't there we weren't sitting there uh, Judge uh, Kalanikos he saw this as an international uh, uh, no, we won't go there, as well as, what else does it say here? So they had a new case in the High Court, and it was, oh, they've got to get a female onto it, Re- Rebecca Ellis at the High Court in Gisborne. Uh, the decision was released at midday on the 6th of December, and Mrs. in Mrs. P's favour. In her decision, Judge, Judge Ellis said she believed the ACC form incident uh, had skewered Judge Kalanikos's view. It's very interesting for judges, not often they go against one another, is it? And uh, there can be, in my view, uh, be a little doubt that it was a mistaken belief that Mrs. P had committed perjury. That was the primary cause of the unfairness and the brief uh, pervaded and tainted the hearing. That was according to her. She ruled Judge Kalanikos' treatment of Mrs. P during the trial was also unfair. During the next six hours and 15 minutes cross-examination, Mrs. P, answers, her answers were interrupted by Judge Kalanikos at least 20 times. They obviously didn't like her. Yeah, so it was overturned. There you go. So that's that little story. Half past five, coming up to half past five. And what else have we got here? We've got methane pledges. Uh, timing wasn't quite right for the f- Fonterra. Uh, okay, so they're delaying things, are they? 
major dairy company from around or dairy companies from around the world have pledged to disclose and tackle methane emissions. Absolute nonsense. But Fonterra is noticeably absent. Good. Uh, big names, probably because they don't have to now, because they know they've got a, a, a the trio in. They've got the the National Act and New Zealand First Party, who aren't so um, aren't quite as silly about methane or that cut fart tax. Soon we won't be able to fart, will we? You won't be able to blow off. You'll be taxed on it. Probably they'll probably put a meter on you, or they'll probably put some sort of a collar around your neck, and that could tell every time you pass wind, and you'll have to pay a tax. Well, who knows? Anyway, so the mate, they, they are doing that. So big names in the industry like Bell Group, Danone, uh, Lactalis US and Nestle, they've committed to the COP28 this week to publicly disclose their dairy-related methane emissions and drawing up detailed plans of action. The commitment in the partnership with the Global Non-Profit Environmental Defence Fund, that's what they call it, Fonterra Director of Sustainability, Charlotte Rutherford, she said that they had talked with the EDF, and continue to engage with them, but the timing was not quite right for the dairy co-op. Our recent focus has been on announcing our on-farm emissions. That's the target of working with farmers to help them understand this. She said, well, now dairy farmers across America and the Danish dairy giant Erla also did not sign the agreement. Good on them. But Nestle, Fonterra's biggest customer, did so. Um, they did that. Rutherford and Fonterra look forward to partnering with Nestle to achieve its ambitions. Now, I was reading the local paper. I'll be back in a minute and grab it because there's some interesting things there about straws and stuff like that. They've really messed up the breeding season, and it seemed a bit odd to me because it's never happened before. So I'll be back in a minute, and I'll bring you that. I'll just go and dig out that newspaper I was reading last night. Here's Jordan Peterson all upset about castration because that's what it is, you know, when you give those kids those puberty blockers. What? Tori, what? Castration and double mastectomies for 13-year-olds? Well, yeah. No, or seriously, oh, yeah. man. That's, that's crossed the line. That is not tolerance. That is an inexcusable silence on the part of the majority, the vast majority, who knows this to be wrong in the deepest possible sense. Most of the bloody Nazi propaganda that led to the extermination policies at the beginning of World War II were predicated initially on compassion and tolerance. So this whole, we're being compassionate and tolerant. It's like, no, you're not. You're aiding and abetting the surgical mutilation of minors. That is not compassion. Not acceptable. And it's not tolerant. No, absolutely right. Jordan Peterson there. Uh, coming up to 27 minutes to six, I think, is it? Have a look here. I've got a newspaper in the way now. This is like the good old days, isn't it? Yeah, 20, 28 minutes to six. We'll give you some TNT radio news at six. Um, I'm just looking at, actually, it's the Farmers... Farmers Weekly, I was having a gander at that last night, Farmers Weekly, something about the straws, you know, that's the, when with breeding, the artificial insemination, wouldn't want to do that, up to the, up to your armpits, um, I haven't actually been, I haven't actually seen that being, you know, I've, I know how it's done, but perhaps a bit of a trick to it, um, flood risk, all this sort of stuff there about flatter slopes, add to build up. Oh, okay. Now, I've got to find this one for you. Oh, we're up in Kauri there, the sale yards up there. They've been going for like 75 years. And they've, they've, uh, they're have they've getting a bit dilapidated. So Kauri, that's not good. That's for the people up in Northland there. They're not going to be um, using the sale yards up there anymore. Looking at ad, ad here for an electric bike as well. It just looks ridiculous, doesn't it? Stupid thing, go and plug that in. How does that work when you're off-grid? 
Now, I've just got to find that one about the straws, uh, artificial insemination. They got it all wrong. Here we are. This is the one. Sorry about all this bracket. Not supposed to do that. <laughs> okay, so I think this is the one. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, New Zealand dairy farmers are counting the cost of using faulty semen over mating of LIC. That's a, after LIC discovered the biological breakdown in the semen of thousands of straws used in October. LIC, now it doesn't really say who they are, but it's obviously some company that's been doing it for many, many years. Anyway, so the bad semen was initially found in 13 batches sent out to farms on October the 17th, 18th and 19th. This amounted to 20,000 straws that affected 921, not cows, <laughs> 921 herds, which is huge. It's across New Zealand. And uh, a second faulty batch was also discovered on November the 22nd, and it had been sent to farms on October the 23rd, 24th and 25th. On both occasions, the semen was discovered to have degraded on the third day of quality control testing. How many herds this impacted is yet to be determined. LIC has undertaken to refund the price of the straws and the cost of the artificial insemination services, but farmers say this may not be enough. One of those affected was Federated Farmers Dairy Chair Richard McIntyre. Communications with affected farmers over the past few weeks suggested that the long-term impacts this will have on their farming business exceeds the cost of refunding the semen and AI services, he said. It spreads out the calving pattern. You have less days in the milking, potentially more empty cows. Let's just call that empties. A fewer replacements next year. And because these cows carve later, there's more chance of them calving later Again, because there's less time for them to recover from the calving before they started mating again. But I didn't think they were mating if they are putting straws in them. Or maybe just ovulating or whatever they call it. Uh, there's a flow-on effects from it, he says. Depending on how the calculation is done, that cost equates to big money, he said. It's In a hypothetical example, if 30 cows from the herd of, say, 449 were impacted by the semen, that's the bad straws, and they lost 21 days of milking in the 2024-25 season, and if those cows averaged 1.75 kilograms of milk solids, that was per day, going by the current midpoint payout from Fonterra, that would equate to a loss of around $266 per cow in lost milk. McIntyre applauded LIC's quality control and prompt communications, but he questioned the adequacy and compens uh, of the compensation offered. Yeah. Others, uh, other impacted farmers who asked not to be named, and one of them here said he had his first round of mating in October 17th and 19th, affected by the semen. The impact around 20, that's rather 24 cows of his 330 cow herd now, those cows had a 100% return rate. Uh, he said the decision not to commit yet to compensation for the financial impact it will have for the next season angers him, given that both he and LIC collect his mating and production data. It would not be hard to determine fair compensation for the possible lost milking days for the next season. When you put into it $8 a kilogram for milk solid payout, it's quite a sum of money, he said. It also had a knock-on effect 
on the effects of cows in the next two seasons because they were now calving later. LIC has no debt. They have made millions of dollars of profit and not willing to help out. What hurts the most is he says that I've been I've been using LIC for 30 years. I sire proved for 15 of those years. So that's obviously sort of a little bit of a joint thing going on there. And I helped prove bulls for LIC and there's no goodwill in return. That hurts more than the compensation. So there he says they've stuffed up and they need to front up. So that's not good, is it? Then that's going to affect all of us faulty seamen because there might be a shortage of well it's going to put meat prices up I would think so that's not so good yeah anyway so that's that little story there for the farmers for you blokes listening in the milking shed and there's a few of you uh, now it's still our old news there and what else have we got we'll move over to news hub that's all old news and uh, put according to um the uh, Minister of Police, he says, I want people to feel safe. And this is what the new police minister has told the commissioner. We read about that before. Over to cricket now, and you've got the World Test Championship. Spinners give Black Caps honours in the first season against Bangladesh. And there's a new national MP. He delivers a very powerful speech, apparently. Uh, the left don't own Maori, he says. They don't own the poor or the workers. And his name... I think he's Maori himself. His name is... I've got to get rid of all these videos here. Uh, new National MP, Jamie Meagher. Uh, he has delivered a powerful maiden speech in Parliament telling the left they don't own Maori, poor or the workers. No party and or ideology has a right to claim ownership over anything or anyone, he said. The newly elected Rangatira MP. He said that no, uh, that to some he may it may seem as a working, walking rather contradiction. A part Maori boy raised in a state house by a single parent on the benefit. He's now a proud National Party MP in a deeply rural farming electorate in the middle of the South Island. But there is no contradiction there. He said those on national side of the house were a broad church, a church of town and country, liberal and conservative, old and young, professionals and workers. And what unites us is our fundamental belief that it is the individual family, the family unit, that knows what's best for their family, not the state. Must be, sounds like a Christian. Must be one of those Christians. Especially watch out, watch out for them born-again ones. <laughs> of course, that's the only kind there is, really, isn't there? Jesus said you must be born again. But he's sounding like family, that's all good. I like that. He's not a leftist, is he? No, I suppose that's why he's in the National Party. He... Um, what did he say? He said that he understood some in Parliament wanted to disrupt and challenge the status quo. But in doing so, we must respect the institutions, we must respect its traditions, and we must uh, respect those who have come before us and who have cleared the way for our many voices to be heard. Very good. I like him. It's the 54th Parliament, isn't it? And he spoke of how the state should be a safety net that helps when people fall but which gets out of the way when we're back on our feet and lets us get on with our lives. Oh, I like the sound of him. He's, um, there we are. That's him. And then we'll go over to Australia now. We've got an Aussie radio star. She opens up about mental health issues. Uh, her name is Mel Gregg. And 11 years ago, they did a, a royal 
uh, sort of a tra- turned turned a bit weird actually. Uh, they did a prank call. Uh, former Australian radio host who took part in a 2012 royal prank call that ended in tragedy has revealed she's been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh. Well, it won't be because of the call. I can tell you now. I can just I can just tell now that she's probably been smoking pot. <laughs> Oi, how can you tell? Well, well, well. I I I just know. I can just tell uh, because I, I've read the story. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't say anything about her smoking pot, but anyway, they've given it a name, and she's gone to a quack. Anyway, the host. Well, let's. I'll fill you in. Uh, the host of the Today FM show, Mel Gregg, and also Michael Christian, they were responsible for the prank call, which, eleven years on, Gregg also admits contributed to her poor mental health. Okay, both hosts decided to prank call the London hospital where Kate Middleton was a patient after she it had, she had announced her first pregnancy. The pair impersonated the late Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip, claiming they wanted to check in to see how their granddaughter-in-law was doing. Nurse Jacintha Saldanha, she picked up the phone and transferred Greg and Christian over to the then Duchess's uh, of Cambridge's nurse. Uh, the nurse then spoke with the pair for a few minutes, describing details of Kate's condition and how she was doing at the time. The entire conversation was played out on air on December the 5th. Two days later, Saldaha was found dead. Speaking with Nine Honey, Greg revealed that she thought everybody was trying to kill her. That's a bit paranoid, eh? For three weeks, I was so paranoid, I was hallucinating... I'd wake up and see people standing at the end of the bed, she said. I I, uh, suppressed it and suppressed it, and then I had an absolute mental breakdown. Well, I'll tell you what, it won't be because of that prank call. We'll read on. I ended up in a mental health recovery house for a week, and I was diagnosed with uh, uh, PTSD. So she went there, they would have given her drugs. They would have given her drugs, and then they would have given her a name for her, her symptoms, just give it a name. Can we fix it? No, no, we can. We can't. We can't help you. We give you these drugs. That'll calm things down a bit, and that would be the worst thing that she could ever do. She received. Uh, she revealed that she was deeply shaken by Saldanha's death, adding she thinks that of that regularly. Okay, uh, Greg told Nine Honey, this must be a radio show, is that several people labelled her as a murderer, with some people refusing to work for her or work with her. Uh, to be painted as a murderer is awful. Uh, it's been really hard. She says, I, I uh, still get messages like, have you washed the blood off your hands? You're a murderer. Greg admitted st- staying silent through though uh, that's through all the hate. It hadn't helped her mental health. They've made a mistake here. Um, she said, I, I made a vow that for about four, that was about four months ago that I, when I was diagnosed with PTSD. Well, I made a vow about four months ago when I was diagnosed with PTSD to get through it and to help other people. Okay, so there's an ad for ringing up, ringing up the quacks. So yesterday there was I was I couldn't remember. It's psychologists. They're the ones that give you the the psycho babble, and and talk a whole lot of rubbish. And then there's the other ones that are actually medical doctors trained in in sorcery, trained in pharmacia, and they give you the drugs. That's the psychiatrist. And two of them you should avoid at all costs. Okay, so I would say that if she's hallucinating and that sort of stuff, well, that really sounds to me a bit like she's had a bit of the old cannabis. So we move over to the Materia Medica by William Bowrecker. 
And we have a look at the mind symptoms there. She said she became paranoid. Well, these are some of the mind symptoms. So at first, first off, when you start smoking the pot and you start abusing drugs, you, could, you have this excessive loquacity, so you're jibber-jabber. You're exuberant of spirits. That's what happens at the beginning. And then time seems long. Seconds seems ages. A few rods, an immense distance. Constantly theorizing. This is what they do when they're smoking dope, isn't it? When they've got the old pot down them. They, they, then you become anxious and, and anxious depression sets in. Constant fear of becoming insane. Mania. Must constantly move. Very forgetful. Cannot finish a sentence. Is lost in delicious thought. Uncontrollable laughter. Delirium tremors. Clairvoyance. Emotional excitement. Rapid change of mood. Cannot realize her identity. Chronic vertigo as of floating off. So this, this cannabis indigo... It's good if you use it homeopathically when you treat the symptoms, but if you use it, if you abuse that drug, if you, if you cook it, you heat it. See, because the THCs come out, they come out of the drug when you heat it up. You can have cannabis, you can just chop it up, have it green, don't dry it out, you can just, you don't want to do that. So you just pick it green, and you can put it in a smoothie, you can have it with a salad, and it won't affect you at all. There'll be no psych- psychiatric or, you know... Um, uh, what's the word? Oh, it's gone again. Um, there will be no problems. You won't have any trouble with it at all. But as soon as you burn it, or cook it, or smoke it, in any way you heat it up, that's when the THCs come out, and that's when all this, all the um, uh, terrible, terrible things happen to you. That's cannabis abuse. You should eat it. It's very good food. It's very, very good for health and good for medicine. So it produces the most remarkable hallucinations and imaginations. You see. So that's why you have to be careful with the exaggeration of the duration of time. And so that's what you find, isn't it, with people that, are, that have been smoking the pot. They've been abusing a wonderful, a wonderful herb. And they ruin it and they turned it into pharmakia, sorcery. The concept of time and space and the place is gone. Extremely happy and content. Nothing troubles. Ideas crowd about, uh, crowd about each other. What does that mean? Ideas crowd or crowd upon each other. Uh, it has great soothing influence in many nervous disorders like epilepsy. This is if you do it homeopathically, not if you just smoke it. We're not talking smoking it here. It's good for mania, dementia, delirium tremors, but not always. It depends on the presenting symptoms. Irritable reflexes, um, catalepsy. So there you go. You don't want to. Um, you don't want to be having that stuff. It's not good. But um, I would say that you know maybe she had a bit of pot, as well. It wouldn't have helped. And then they would have given her psychiatric drugs, and that would have really tipped her over. And that and that what that does is that means that you don't get any better, and you hopefully well you do get worse. That they're hoping that you won't get worse. And if they, if it looks like you're getting worse, they give you another drug. This is a psychiatrist, and they just keep you know keep you as a, a long-term patient and you can't get off the stuff and you're hooked so the last thing you want to do is go near a doctor stay away from them I had an old friend he was nearly 100 and he said all my friends all my mates the, the doctors are killing them and I said hello <laughs> really and he said yeah they are don't go to the doctor he'd say they're, they're blimmin' dangerous they're, they're killing off all my friends with their drugs and he never took anything and he, I think he was about 100 over 100 when he passed away he was the oldest living member of the Royal New Zealand Yacht Squadron. He's a great guy. Can't remember his name now. It's a long time ago. 
Okay, uh, we have uh, Douglas Murray here, uh, got him lined up. It's 10 to, we're going to have the TNT Radio News at uh, 6 o'clock, and I'll skitter around the newspaper, and I'll try and be sensible and just give you the news. How about that? Muslims do not love other Muslims. They have no love for them. They have no love for the Palestinian peoples. None. If they had any, the Jordanians would have taken in the West Bank Palestinians, the Egyptians would have taken in the, 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 the territory they used to run, the Gaza, and own the Gaza, and they would have taken in the Palestinians from the Gaza. Why have the Egyptians made sure that not one uh, Palestinian is allowed to leave Gaza? Why, why do they make sure that their border wall is tough as anything? What do they mind? One thing, Jews living. Jews living and Jews winning. Mm. It hits them deep in their soul, in their psyche. It's an ancient, ancient hatred, mm. perhaps the most ancient among the monotheisms and uh, the deepest and the ugliest, the nastiest and the one that has been least addressed. That's right. And we've imported it. Mm-hmm. We have. We've got it here in our country as well. And it's going to be a big problem for us. That's Douglas Murray. Uh, he wrote the book, The War on the West. He's written a few books. A very clever man. He's a journalist. He's, I think he, I'm not sure if he's still over in Israel, but he went over there to report on it. And, uh, oh, yeah, nasty. Okay, before, I'll tell you what I haven't done. I haven't uh, told you what happened on this day in New Zealand history. So if you're having a birthday today, the 7th of December, uh, happy birthday to you. And uh, But back in 1963, we had uh, on this day the Bassett Road machine gun murderers. Ooh, the murders, I should say. Uh, now, a bullet-ridden bodies of Frederick George Walker and Kevin James Spate were found in a house on Bassett Road in Rimbiwira, Auckland. A team of 32 detectives began inquiries that led to the arrest of Ronald Jorgensen, Ron Jorgensen or Ronnie, and also John Gillies. The fact that the victims were sly groggers, they were traders in illegal alcohol, and it seemed to be a motive for the murders, the coroner concluded that the murder weapon was probably a .45 caliber machine gun. On the New Year's Eve, police arrested Jorgensen and Gillies. Uh, they were career cr- criminals who had spent time in prison on both sides of the Tasman. Their trial began on February the 24th, 1964. Both denied the charges, although Gillies admitted he had purchased a machine gun. <laughs> By the way, I wonder where we got it, would have got that from. Uh, but 1963, I suppose. Um... They were they were found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment. Now Jorgensen became a public, uh, rather he he came to public attention again in 1984, following his release from prison, when his abandoned car was found at the bottom of a cliff near Kaikoura, and it's in the South Island on the west uh, east coast. Yeah, and uh, despite rumours that he had faked his own death and fled to Australia, he was declared dead in 1999 so that happened on this day uh, also let's go over to Epoch Times now and see what's going on there Trump responds to leftist dictated label during a town hall forum for, with Fox News Sean Hannity the former president also made a prediction about incumbent president Joe Biden uh, I'll just give you the headlines to start with uh, Russia they reject US proposal to re- release the release of two wrongfully detained Americans the State Department is seeking the release of Ivan Gurkishkovich and Paul Whelan, uh, who have been detained in Russia on espionage charges, and retiring rapper Daddy Yankee. He embraces a new chapter as a Christian, following Jesus.
for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, said the rapper, quoting the Bible in a heartfelt speech to fans. Good on him. Republican governors push for federal response to the CCP land acquisition. Letter to Biden administration and congressional leaders comes after 11 states have enacted foreign ownership laws in 2023. We've got the same thing here happening. Didn't... um, John, not, I was going to say John Key, um, Luxon, didn't the head of the National Party, the, our Prime Minister, didn't he say in the lead-up that they were going to change the, the laws to make it easier for foreign buyers? I think they said they were, and all the foreign buyers are getting lined up, getting the checkbooks out. FBI director dodges questions on Biden probe at House plans impeachment vote. FBI director Christopher Wray Uh, was less than forthcoming in responding to Republican senators' questions about ongoing investigations of the Biden family. Dodgy. U.S. Senate releases $110 billion in funding package for Israel, Ukraine, and also the border. The procurement vote uh, surrounding the bill is expected to fail with Republicans and uh, in opposition due to their demands that they get border security funds in exchange. And we've got one on here. If Trump wasn't running, this is what Biden says. If Trump wasn't running, I'm sure I'd be ru- I'd be running. I'm not sure, rather, I'd be running. So yeah, he's only running because because Trump's running. Oh, I don't know. He's a, he's a, what he do? he doesn't even know what's going on, does he? In Boston, President Central uh, he centered his message on the high stakes of the 2024 election. Well, if if you're really that worried about the people, you'd move out of the way, wouldn't you? Uh, One more case to keep Trump off the ballot dismissed in Arizona. More than two dozen such cases have been filed across the country and none have succeeded. That's good. Things are starting to turn around a bit. They they probably know that he's going to be the president soon and they better behave themselves. uh, The House Republicans launch a probe into the Georgia prosecutor in Trump case. Um, They allege collusion with the January 6th committee. Newly discovered material prompted two House Republicans to launch an investigation of it's Farney. People say she's Fanny Willis, but I think it looks like Farney to me. Farney Willis, only one in, uh, that she's the Georgia prosecutor who indicted President Trump. She's a bit nutty, isn't she? What else have we got here? Michigan governor orders all vehicles in fleet to be fully electric. Oh, you idiot. What's his name? Or her name? Oh, Gretchen. Some female. Gretchen uh, Whitmer. She's ordered all government vehicles, including heavy duty, to transition to fully electric. God, you're nut. You're as crazy as the leftists we had here. Patient list alive in electronic health records were actually deceased, according to a study. Specific unnecessary interactions called out appointments, medications and orders. I don't understand that. I'd have to go and read it. I don't want to. FDA approved controversial lab grown meat becomes a reality no don't do that that's a bit silly thing to do and then they've got an analysis there of the presidential candidates I think Trump's going to win, they'd have to put him in jail or kill him uh, so there we are, We're that's the Epoch Times, FBI director urges extension of the warrantless spy powers amid GOP opposition, several lawmakers including Senator Mike Lee, he's with uh, Republicans in Utah asked about the use of Section 701, I don't know what that is, do you, uh, of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act on American citizens. An 11-year-old girl told to sleep in the same bed as a boy 
who identifies as transgender, a letter school officials assigned a girl to sleep with a boy. Yuck. Americans should be worried about potential Chinese invasion of Taiwan. The Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman says that we should all be worried whether it's going to happen or not as part of the reason why deterrence is so important so that the conflict does not occur. So you've got to show a bit of strength, send your warships in or whatever they call them, the, um, what are the big flat ones called? Aircraft carriers, send them in. There we are, that's that. And, uh, oh, typhoid disease linked to COVID-19 vaccination studies. Thyroid, oh, did I say typhoid? Thyroid, thyroid disorders, especially hypodroidism, I think that's how you say it, hypothyroidism, hypothyroidism, uh, may be linked to COVID-19 vaccinations as possible adverse reactions, reports recently, in Indi- according to an Indian study. There we are. Jack Smith's office says that it will submit Trump's election fraud tweets. Federal prosecutor made a court filing on Tuesday in Washington. Illinois bill will require blood donors to disclose COVID vaccination status. Oh, that's good. Ah, that's the HB4243, whatever that is, would require donors to disclose. We've got news coming up too, don't forget the news. Disclose whether they received an mRNA vaccine and impose label requirements for donated blood and blood products. Wow, that's a big turnaround, isn't it? And that's all we wanted here with the Baby Will case. Then that was where some pretty important people there really did... Well, that was Liz Gunn. She did a good job there with and others. Did a fantastic job getting the donated blood. It was Liz Gunn that organised that uh, blood to, be, to have no... Uh, not be vaccinated, pure blood. And here we are in Illinois. They're requiring it. That they have to say whether they've been vaccinated or not. Wow. Oh, that's a big turnaround, isn't it? Okay, we'll be um, we'll bring you some news from TNT shortly. Uh, I'll be back in a minute or two. You know, I had a wise working class guy I once worked for back in the 1970s. He was a conservative and not a socialist. And I was at that time, I was about 14. I was pretty entranced by socialist ideas. And the Socialist Party in Alberta, my province, had a pretty good small business platform. And I said, why the hell don't you vote for the socialists? They have a lot better platform for your endeavor than the conservatives who are a party of big business. And he said, small business owners don't want to be small business owners. They want to be big business owners and people vote their dreams not their reality. And I thought, oh my God, that's so smart. And, you know, and and then I thought too, with regards to Trump, is that even though his wealth was unimaginably out of reach for the typical working class person, I think people could look at Trump and think, well, there are conceivable universes in which I could be Donald Trump. I think that's pretty right, isn't it? That's how people feel. They, um, they do. They don't want to sort of. They want to imagine they're going to be better. I mean, that's what business people do. They always, they always, they visualise that they want to be better than they are now. That's how you get ahead. You sort of think, you you imagine the future. Um, anyway, we've got uh, TNT Radio news coming up very shortly. So we'll cross over to them. We'll take that news, and then I'll come back and I'll let you know what's happening with the weather. If you've just joined me, thanks very much. Uh, nice to have you on board. The sun is up now, uh, and I uh, hope you're going to have a lovely day today. And uh, it was, wasn't a great day yesterday. Wow, we had a busy day yesterday. Six hours we were, I was on the radio for. Gosh, I didn't get much farming done yesterday. But in the afternoon I did. I got out and managed to do a wee bit of fencing. I'm, putting, I'm stringing some, I'm doing a three-wire electric fence at the moment. And I quite like doing those, setting them all up. Uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's good. Now, 
Here's TNTradio.live. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky called off a classified briefing with U.S. Senators on December 5th, in which he intended to discuss Ukraine's need for additional funding and military aid from the United States. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the purpose of the meeting was to help senators understand what's at stake in the vote on the National Security Supplemental Bill. Mr. Schumer told reporters about Mr. Zelensky's cancellation, saying that something came up at the last minute. This came after Andrzej Yermak, chief of staff of the Ukrainian president, warned that the war-torn country could risk losing the war against Russia if the United States further delays military aid to Ukraine. Any member of Congress who does not support funding for Ukraine is voting for an outcome that will make it easier for Putin to prevail. Mr. Yermak expressed his concern on December 5th, saying that if the U.S. military assistance is postponed, there's a big risk that we can be in the same position to which we're located now. And of course, it makes this very high possibility impossible to continually liberate and give the big risk to lose this war. In a firm rebuff to China's combination of threats and flattery, Argentina's new government under President Javier Malay has decisively rejected joining the BRICS group. This decision marks a significant setback for China's ambitions to expand its influence in Latin America. The BRICS coalition of Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa is progressively perceived as a Beijing-led geopolitical group aimed at broadening its sway and redefining the global hierarchy. Contrasting sharply with his pro-communist predecessor, President Malay has maintained a strong anti-communist stance, complicating China's diplomatic efforts. In a statement to Bloomberg News in August, Malay emphasized, People are not free in China. They can't do what they want. And when they do it, they get killed. Would you trade with an assassin? Australians are being warned to prepare for high temperatures as a heat wave grips many parts of the country. Much of New South Wales and parts of Queensland, South Australia, West Australia, the Northern Territory and the Australian Capital Territory are copying soaring temperatures that are expected to intensify towards the end of the week. Bureau of Meteorology Senior Meteorologist Miriam Bradbury said the hot weather had formed on the western side of the country and was gradually making its way eastwards. She told AAP the heat is lingering over Australia and is being held in place by a couple of high-pressure systems. Those systems are slow moving. Usually we can wait for cold fronts to sweep the heat out. New South Wales residents are in for a sweltering period with a severe heat wave warning issued from Wednesday and expected to last well into the weekend. A passenger severely injured when a bus plunged into a ravine in the central Philippines has died, taking the death toll from the accident to 17. The bus was carrying dozens of people when its brakes failed on Tuesday afternoon. Seven people were in critical condition while four were stable and recovering. Local media had reported earlier that 28 died in the crash. The number of Canadians who have died while on a waiting list for medical care is at a five-year high, according to a new report. Over 17,000 patients died before they could be treated with surgery or diagnostic scans. That number represents a 64% increase since 2018. The data consists of cases where patients died waiting for procedures that could have potentially saved their lives, e.g. a heart operation, and procedures that could have improved their quality of life, like a hip operation. In total, over 58,000 patients have died while waiting for care since 2018. However, the report noted that not every health care body provided statistics as some do not track patients on waiting lists who die before receiving care. In 2022-2023, 17,032 patients died while on a waiting list. Patients died after waiting anywhere from less than a week to nearly 11 years. 
This has been James O'Neill with your TNT News Brief. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. TNT Radio Encore. Okay, there we are. That's that one there. Uh, okay, let's look at the weather, shall we? It's just gone 6 o'clock. What are we up to now? At 5 past 6. Uh, I hope you can hear me. I can't hear myself. Um, okay, so that was good. I like James O'Neill. I like it now they don't have Patrick Henderson tacked on the ev- every single news item. That was not very good to listen to. Very anti-Semitic he was. Oh, definitely. I just had it in for them. I'm, so I'm glad that's changed. I, I don't want him to leave the leave the station because if he, he's got his if he's got his Jew-hating opinion, he should be entitled to it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think it's, it's very good with people inciting violence. That's not good against any, any nationality. But um, to have him just sort of slagging Israel at every news item, it made it look like TNT were anti-Semitic organisation. So there we have it. But I do like the way that um, they'll take anybody <laughs> at um, TNT. So it doesn't matter. And that's what it's about. That's what it should be about. And a news organisation should have all different types of, of people with all different sorts of opinions. And that is the great thing about TNT Radio Live. And I'd highly recommend you, if you like talk back, that sort of thing. And you can even be involved in it as well. And uh, so, yeah, I would definitely definitely be tuning into them. TNTradio.live, you'll find them. And there's apps as well for your phone. Uh, absolutely brilliant. And also, of course, we've got um, radio here in uh, what's our one here in New Zealand? We've got RCR Radio. I think they are found at uh, realitycheck.radio. You can find them there. And they have some good, good programs as well. Okay, now let's look at weather. And uh, I've just heard from Philip Duncan. He said there's a high pressure and it's coming in from New Zealand, from, from New Zealand a high pressure coming for New Zealand. And it's bringing much drier weather to the country, lighter winds and a lift in temperatures by day. Good, eh? And it says here that the southwest airflow covers the, the most of the country today. And uh, it's just, just ahead of the high pressure zone. And this will bring further showers. But then they will be isolated, faster moving than previous days. You remember they were just lingering, no wind. They're just hanging around, just drizzling. And that's going to bring the totals down of, of rain. So by Friday, by tomorrow, the high pressure moves in and covers nearly all of the country for the weekend. Now the southern New Zealand part is most at risk of lingering showers and cloud. And there will also be a cooler air in the very south. There we are. Meanwhile, tropical cyclone Jasper... Jasper? Um, that's the ghost, isn't it? Jasper, that's formed near the Solomon Islands. It poses no direct risk to New Zealand due to the powerful high pressure we've got. Uh, but Queensland is the most at risk. There we are. Right now, the temperatures across the country, uh, the extremes, first of all, Blenheim has got the highest temperature, 15.5 degrees. Waitati has 5.3, it's a bit cool there. And the winds dropped off a little bit at Castle Point, 65 kilometres per hour. I think it got up to 76, it was really fair old blowing. Invercargill's a wee bit wet down there, uh, down near Stewart Island. Uh, 1.2 millimetres of rain is falling there. Uh, now the forecast right across the country for northern Waikato, including Coromandel, cloudy periods with the odd shower. For Waitomo to Kapiti, including Taramanui and also Taihapi, mostly cloudy with a few showers, clearing this afternoon and becoming fine. For the Bay of Plenty, Taupo, also for Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, fine spells, scattered showers this afternoon, mainly about the ranges, some possibly heavy. For Wairarapa to Wellington, also for Marlborough and Nelson, fine at first, but areas of cloud from afternoon with isolated showers about the ranges. For Buller and Westland, showers clearing this afternoon and becoming fine.
For Canterbury and North Otago, fine this morning. Clouds increasing this afternoon with isolated showers. Some may be heavy inland. And for the remainder of Otago and Southland, also Fiordland, fine about central Otago. Showers elsewhere clearing this afternoon, but a few showers persisting about Fiordland and Southland. And also, uh, yes, Stewart Island. And also for the Chatham Islands, you've got showers clearing this evening. Back in a minute. Don't say things you don't mean and don't go along with things you don't agree with. I told my kids when they went to school, look, kids, follow the rules. But don't follow stupid rules. Who decides if they're stupid? Well, that's a hard question because most of the time you should follow the rules. But now and then the rules get pathological and and you have to stand up. He said, if you're going to stand up and break a rule, think about it and you have to be willing to take the consequences. Mm. But there's consequences to not standing up to stupid rules too. And if you think that those consequences are lesser, then you suffer from the delusion that there's an easy path through life. That's right. It's my passionate belief that the second most precious thing in life is the right to express yourself freely. The most precious thing in life, I think, is food in your mouth. And the third most precious is a roof over your head. So my concerns are less for myself and more for those more vulnerable because of their lower profile. Like the man arrested in Oxford for calling a police horse gay. Or the teenager arrested for calling the Church of Scientology a cult. Or the cafe owner arrested for displaying passages from the Bible on a TV screen. <laughs> Just crazy. That's Rowan Atkinson. He's great. Isn't he funny, Mr. Bean? Yeah, I did, I did like him. I don't know. Did you like Mr. Bean? It was all right, eh? It's okay. How about we hear from Kaylee? She's a, a local girl from Waimati, doing very well over at Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee. Here she is, and then I'll be back. I just want to make myself a cup of coffee. It's going to take a bit longer than I thought.
Wow, it's a quick ending. Her name is Kaylee Bell. She's from um, Waimati. There's two Waimatis, isn't there? This one's in the South Island. She's fantastic. She's a young woman. I guess she's probably, I think she, I don't know, mid-30s, I suppose. I think she said she was like 32, I think, when she did the, when was that, that this year, when she did The Voice? And she that was a song. I think she wrote that song, produced it in 2019. She's self-produced as well. Her and a partner, I think they have. Um, they put all the pull the music out. I guess you could find her on YouTube. I must download some actually. Go and have a listen to some. I've got a few. What, the ones I've got, I've got boots and all, good things. Home. That was one she did when they came back to New Zealand during the lockdown, and they were stuck at home. They didn't enjoy it much, so they've actually produced that song. They wrote it and um, and uh, produced it at home here in New Zealand, and just the importance of coming home. Everybody came home, didn't they? People didn't just stay put. They just sort of... It was really weird how everyone went home. Everyone flew home. It was, I, I think they thought, you know, this is it. This is the, you know, we're not going to be able to travel anymore. Just wanted to be home near the family. Didn't want to be stranded in some foreign country. Uh, even people that had lived overseas for f- a few years wanted to come home. Everyone came home. And uh, it was a very strange time, wasn't it? Uh, some of the other songs she's got is Living Free. And she sings that one with uh, Lindsay. Who's that one? I have to put my mouse over it to get the full name there. Lindsay. Oh, I can't even read it. Lindsay L, is it? Oh, it looks like it. And then Small Town Friday Nights. That's one there. And then Summer. And she sings that one with Joe Miranda. Miranda. She Now, that was called uh, That Summer, I should say. Uh, with, uh, oh, no. Yeah, Josh. Josh Miranda. And uh, gosh, my eyes are either getting worse or the f- the computer's font's getting smaller. <laughs> I don't know. It's like I said yesterday, the hills are getting steeper as you get older. Because we've got quite a lot of hills here where I am. And uh, yes, they are getting steeper. I, find, I, I sort of I feel that way, but maybe, maybe not. I thought maybe the cows were, were making bigger ruts or something. You just have to get your climbing gear out. You take, I have to take a rope soon, you know, to help myself climb up the hill. <laughs> not quite that bad. Might go back to a horse. I was talking about that the other day. Might ride a horse in the winter. When it, sometimes I can't even get the gator up the hill. And I've got big knobbly tyres. I still can't get the gator up, up the hill sometimes when it's quite wet. But it does dry out quite quickly. That's one good thing about hill country. But we're not all hills. We've got flats as well. Very very nice. Now, what other songs has Kaylee got today? Uh, oh, that's right. Oh, that, yeah, have a listen to this. She actually did very, very well. This is her just talking about how well she did on Billboard. Guys... I cannot believe what you have done. Today I just found out that Keith is sitting at number 12 on the Billboard charts for digital sales, number 41 on the emerging artists. Um, This is wild. I'm self-managed. I don't have a label. It's just me and you guys. And you guys have done this. We are Billboard in America. Oh my God. Let's go. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Fantastic. Okay, let's go over to stuff and uh, just check out the most popular stories. New Zealand police, uh, rather politics, police minister sends a letter to uh, of expectation to Commissioner Acosta. 
Black Caps versus Bangladesh second cricket test, and landlord evicts a solo parent with a brain tumour. Relist the property days later for, a, I think it was about $120 more. Nasty. Uh, Bangladesh's Mustafa Ramah out for handling the ball in the second test with the Black Caps. Ooh, ain't you allowed to handle the ball? thought that's what you're supposed to do. Now, Baby Roo's mother, she says that she knows who killed her son. Storm War claims... Storm? Storm War claims that she saw the incident that caused Baby Roo's... This is Ruthless Empire's fatal injuries. And she's going to tell the police what happened. Um, now, we've got Dunedin underwear thief strikes again. <laughs> this time... Uh, this time in, in Gisborne, he's moved up the coast. He's come across the Cook Strait. Rowan Blackburn removed the glass panes of a window to sneak into the home of two women to search through their drawers. Goodness me. And uh, and then we've also got the the jury. They've started deliberations in the Blackmore trial. That's the murder. The jury of, of um, is it Angela? I think it's Angela and Blackmore. The trial that it's uh, going to be four weeks of evidence to consider after retiring to deliberate on the verdict. That was a terrible thing, that. Um, And we've got a a knife-edge vote gives Aucklanders a say on the port privatisation. The proposal for the port's future, this is Auckland port, I would think, yeah, uh, to go go public consultation, go to public consultation, despite a majority of councillors voting against it. And brothers have been found guilty of the grandmother's murder and cousin is guilty of manslaughter more than three years after the Auckland grandmother Melami Fisiohui was shot through a window in her living room. Her family finally have answers. And what else have we got? We've got the El Nino risk. Um, bouncy castle incidents have cost more than well, cost New Zealand more than five hundred and forty thousand dollars in one year. It's no surprise. The Higher Industry Association is urging caution. This holiday season, Bouncy Castle. Wow, we. And so, what else? We've got a lotto players won one million dollars. The uh, Christchurch, they've scooped the first division, but the Powerball was not struck, and the jackpot of uh, to eight million dollars. That's going to be jackpotted on eight million on Saturday, day after tomorrow. And uh, there we are. What else have we got? Rowers are kicked off. Uh, Raki Uda leg of marathon paddle. A group of rowers paddling, uh, aiming to paddle the length of New Zealand, have faced rough weather, but say the majority. Uh, sorry, they face rough weather, but they say the journey from Oban to Bluff on Wednesday was a breeze. Rowers. Right, yeah, and then the vaccinated data leaker. Uh, he. Um, he does an interview with the U.S. conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. Let's see what they. Let's see how stuff handle this one. We've got uh, Barry Young there. To what aura? That's the New Zealand Health. They're still uh, stuff are still using the Maori term, which it shouldn't be. They're charged by police over illegally accessing vaccine-related information on work databases. Uh, has detailed his arrest and his intention behind the leak in an interview that prompted U.S. conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. See how they brand him. Can't believe a word about what the media tell you about Alex Jones. Uh, Info Wars. Barry Young, sometimes also known as Winston Smith. Well, no, he's not sometimes also known as Winston Smith. Smith. 
Uh, he used that name Winston Smith, and if you do some research on that, there's a reason for that. Uh, and that was just because he needed anonymity um, while he was talking to um, Liz Gunn and others. Um, but he actually gave the information to Steve Kirsch back on November the 8th, and they've actually sent it off to a lot of experts. So the, this, we'll just see what they say anyway. So this is the stuff, and... Um, he was interviewed on Jones's conspiracy website, InfoWars. InfoWars filed for bankruptcy. They had to bring that in, so they could slander him now. Filed for bankruptcy protection last year after Jones, Jones lost a high court profile case for falsely claiming the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School massacre had been a hoax. The massacre saw the death of 26 people, including. So I don't know how that's relevant, frankly. But they want it, well. They've got it. They've got to show you that you can't trust Alex Jones. Uh, Jones's defamation defeat saw him ordered to pay $2.42 billion in damages, including victims' families and the FBI. Now, the website in the United States and New Zealand have picked up the data and claimed that COVID-19 vaccination caused large numbers of deaths. There have been four deaths possibly linked to adverse reactions, uh, possibly, from COVID-19 vaccination in Aotearoa. They're still using Aotearoa. It's New Zealand. That's where we are. Infowars interest. See how they've written this. Infowars's interest in the New Zealand data leak has seen its coverage position young. This is Barry Young as a whistleblower. The Kiwi conspiracy theorist. That's what they call her, Liz Gunn. Uh, but she's not. She's a former television presenter, lawyer. And uh, you see how you see how they've slanted it, just to make you think that these people are crackpots. All of them. That's what they do in the news. It appears the interview between Jones and Young, this is Barry Young, he's the whistleblower, he's a senior analyst, not just some worker from Ministry of Health, a senior analyst, went live on Wednesday, New Zealand Standard Time, Daylight Saving Time actually. The conspiracy website touted it as the world exclusive and Young's first major interview after the incident, which the health officials have described as a gross breach of trust. Well, of course they would. They don't want the information out. If it was, if the information was false, they would just say it's false information, and we'll we we'll be happy to to share it um, and anonymize it or whatever they call it. Um, obfuscate. I struggle with that word. Um, obfuscate. So that the and, and there was no way was there any information uh, about individuals given. Very very good, but it's the first time that information has been given out in the world by health authorities and it does show a problem here but they're busy trying to cover it up and I think it's I think it's going to turn to custard on them but we we'll hope so anyway because we want the truth since the initial release of the data on November 30th well no it actually was released well before then to Wata Ora which is New Zealand Health I don't know I've even forgotten what the name is now with it coming up with these Maori names you know it's just so confusing it's just uh, it's irritating and that needs to stop and uh but but what's going to happen is because the leftist uh, stuff they are they are sort of against a new government even though the new government is, they're still still globalist but they um, they've got the leftist ideology and the the new government's more uh, s- sort of slightly to, <laughs> slightly off center to slightly leaning to right uh, they um, they don't like them um, they've sided with the leftists the the media and so they're attacking. They're attacking the new government. Very disrespectful. Disrespectful to the king, I heard yesterday, too. She, she, the woman, during that interview with um, Shane Jones and Debbie Nyapaka, 
there was uh, no is it no oh, I can't remember Debbie Packer she was always Debbie Packer for ages there um, she was talking about I think Packer brought up this uh, dinosaur thing and then the the host this young host disrespectfully disrespected the head of state the king he's the head of the state of New Zealand once upon a time you'd just about you'd lose your job for that she said that uh, speaking of old dinosaurs and referring to King Charles you know whatever you think on the royals I mean I'm not a royalist not at all but I'm a monarchist I believe in the whole idea of a constitutional monarchy I mean that's what we live in New Zealand is a constitutional monarchy officially People, other people say, oh, no, it's not. No, we, we, it's a corporation and all that. And maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know. Hard to know. You can't always um, believe what you hear. Okay, so he's since, this is um, Barry, he's since appeared in court charged with the dishonesty, dishonestly accessing the computer uh, and he entered no plea. Judge Andrew Nichols heard a bail application and Young, who has appeared in a video with an anti-vaccination campaign at Gun to speak about the data, was denied bail on the Monday, but on but they they held it over to one p.m. on Tuesday because the it seemed to me that the government wanted it wanted it quickly. They thought they could you know delete all the information and get rid of any evidence because so it's obviously true, isn't it? Because if it wasn't, they wouldn't care. They just let it all go. So it's just rubbish. They were just denied, but they haven't denied that it's it's accurate information. They can't do that because they know it's actual. It's factual. Um, on Sunday, uh, the health agency said this, uh, that this individual was trying to claim about vaccines, what they're, what they're trying to claim about the vaccines is completely wrong and ill-informed, and their comments demonstrate this. See, this, this is what they say. This is how they spin it. The person has no clinical background or expert vaccine knowledge. No, no, he's, a, he's an analyst, and um, he's not claiming that he's got information on that. He just looks at the figures and looks at the data. He sent it off to different places. Kirsch and Kirsch has sent it all over to other people with, with Barry, uh, Barry Young's permission. And um, they find that they've got similar results happening all around the world. So they know it's accurate. And it's just a small sample, of course. Yeah, of course it is. But it's indicative of, of the whole country. Uh, a LinkedIn page under the name of Barry Smith states that he is not Barry Smith. Barry Young states that he has been employed at the government health agency as a senior database administrator since 2018. In the Infowars interview, Young said that he'd offered information to Deputy Prime Minister Winston Peters, and he tried desperately to reach over um, a couple of days. Young said he and Gunn had phoned Peters constantly, given. Uh, he campaigned on the promise to hold inquiries about vaccine mandates, but those calls got nowhere, didn't return them. There you are, typical, eh? That's old Peters. He's let you down already in, within the first hundred days. <laughs> he should have said something. He should have said, I'm aware of it, and I'm making inquiries. That's all he had to say. But he didn't. didn't say anything. And so he's let down an entire constituency of 18,000 people that were on the steps of were in the grounds of Parliament, waiting for uh, politicians to come out and speak to them, and for and to hear them, to hear the grievances. And there were everyday people, just ordinary New Zealanders from all over the world. The media tried to pretend they're crackpots, and you know anti-vaxxers. Some of them weren't. Most of them, many of them, had been vaccinated. Many of them had been injured. 
There were police, the people that didn't want to take, they, they got sacked. Um, people from the armed service, people from all walks of life. They're just ordinary people. And we had ordinary people also that were bringing in food as well for them. And all they wanted was, was for you politicians to come out and hear them. 120 of you signed a pact that you wouldn't come out. And that Winston saw an opportunity. He said, hello, I can get these people to vote for me. So he, he went down and did, did a walkthrough. And John Ansell gave him an earful. The most corrupt politician was that effect. And so this is Barry now. He says, I was saying I will give you this data. I will work with you. I will make you look like the greatest hero in New Zealand history. Uh, this is what he said to Winston Peters. And... Um, he said, we tried so hard to reach him and give him this data and tell him, please investigate this. We need to know what's going on, Young said. And uh, in the interview, Young said that he spent, and he rather sent an email outlining that he was uh, a database administrator who worked for the Ministry of Health and uh, implemented the database, which he said had massive red flag safety signals in it. He, put, he made it that way. He built the thing. He was on the team anyway that built it. A senior executive. I think he's got a degree in science or something. Um, Young claimed that he sent his this email. It's funny how they use the word, you know, he claimed this and he claimed that. But they don't say that when they're talking about mis- they They say, oh, this is, this is misinformation. They should say the government claims it's misinformation, but they don't. They just say misinformation is or... Um, you know, they, they're actually presenting the news instead of reporting the news. They're, what would you say? They're giving you their opinion on the news, and they shouldn't do that. That's not how journalism works. That's not how proper reporting works, unless you're, unless you're doing what I do, which is giving my opinion, but I'm not reading the news. I'm not presenting the news or... Um, you know, if I was a newsreader, you're not to even not even an inflection. You just got to read it as though, um, and you don't put yourself in front of the news. And that was that was what news people were always taught: you don't put yourself in front of the news. Same with reporters; you've got to report both sides and let the public decide. That's not what we're seeing happening today. We're seeing governments bribe news organisations. And they have to they have to um, slant the news in favour of the government, the ones that are paying them. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Health Minister Dr. Shane Retty confirmed that in the email uh, was sent last Thursday at eight minutes past ten in the morning to a range of uh, members of Parliament and ministers. Uh, within an hour, it had been sent to the Health New Zealand to Wataura, who activated. A response, so they had him arrested. They got the police onto him um, instead of doing an investigation. <laughs> they got the cops onto him. Health New Zealand have continued to update the Minister of Health and his office on this on the steps being taken. And as more information has become available, he said, "This is Retty." Retty said the health agency is working closely with other authorities, including police and the national cyber security, because they're trying to. They're trying to make sure that no one sees that information. And then anyone that shares uh, anything, probably, probably even what we've shared yesterday, uh, will probably be, could be, could be arrested. We're living in a tyrannical country. Um, They should be transparent about everything. 
there's no chance that personal records are being there's no no link back to personal records it's data that belongs to New Zealanders and we should know what's going on uh, the matter is in the hands of the police now and it's not appropriate for me to comment further that was Shane Retty Young's interview went on to do to describe being locked out of the system and having the police turn up at his home Young called his arrest off the charts and likened it to the Gestapo, the secret police force in, of Nazi Germany which perpetrated crimes during the Holocaust. Um, Young said eight armed police were at his property, armed, put him in handcuffs and then took him to a police station. In the interview with Jones, Young said he's not an anti-vaxxer. He even said he, he didn't even agree with everything Alex Jones said. Uh, but wanted a fair, open and honest inquiry. The data itself is subject to a non-publication order. Now that's terrible. Why? There's, there's no way the data, it's obfuscated. There's no way, you know, it's, it's anonymous. We don't know who these people are, so why, why not? See, this is just like the Christchurch thing, isn't it? They keep everything quiet. They'll find a $10,000 fine for sharing, sharing the video, which wasn't that bad gosh it's much worse out there but they didn't want that out for some reason so obviously uh, that video didn't work in, in the, it, it, there was something about that video now there's going to be some reports coming out soon I think Samantha Edwards report she's working in conjunction with Counterspin Media and I believe that, that they're working on uh, a new documentary to do with the Christchurch mosque attack we'll be able to find out what's going on there, and other things as well. So Counterspin Media, I know, you might not like Calvin Alp, you know, comes across as a bit arrogant, doesn't he, sometimes? But I think he's a straight-up guy. And um, I think sometimes he goes off on a bit of a tangent, you know, with some of the things he gets involved with, that King John stuff, I think, isn't it? I don't know, some weird stuff. And um, he's a bit anti-Semitic, I think, possibly. Don't think he's that fond of the Jews. Uh, but you know that's his opinion and I agree with him on a lot of things and a lot of things I don't agree with him I don't know if I'd want to work with him but I think what they're doing is is good and um, and I don't think you should be we, I don't think we should be too concerned with the tone with someone's tone just forget about the tone forget about their, their, their attitude what about the data the noise we don't want to just forget about the noise. It's the, it's the signal that John was saying that yesterday. I think that's Steve Bannon. He said, you know, there's all sorts of noise, but we really want the signal. We want the clear signal to find out what's really going on. And, you know, just because someone, you don't like their tone, it's, what about the data? What about the information they're giving? Just think about what Calvin Alp is giving you. You just might not like his attitude. Well, who cares? Who cares if you don't like his attitude or his tone? People say that about me. It's really the information that's the most important thing. So you should stick with Counterspin Media because I think they're honest and I think they do their best to bring you the truth, whether they like it or not. They might not even like what they un uncover and they'll present it. They want, they want to bring the truth to New Zealanders. And they could be wrong. But they might be right. And that they're prepared to, um, to just let the truth speak for itself. Oh, lovely cows eating grass. Wonderful. Oh, so I love watching cows eat grass. It's amazing how they actually, I, I reckon they've grown in the last week. They look bigger. 
You just keep growing there. And then we'll have one of you for dinner. <laughs> I'll pick out a nice fat one. Okay, so that's that. And um, yes, mathematician Professor Michael Blackplank. Now there are some people that is that is they've got them obviously got some people saying, "Oh no, it's all wrong." Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, won't it, with this one? But at the moment, that's as far as it goes, and it's all pretty anti him him. There, they started off just in a terrible photograph they take of him as well. Nasty shot, just you know, makes him just look like a criminal, which he's not. He's a hero, and uh, there you have it. Okay, I'm. Uh, we hear Doug- Douglas Murray back. There is no scenario in the heads of the Palestinian Authority or of Hamas in which one Jew is allowed to live in the Palestinian state. So, if from the river to the sea a Palestinian state is created, it will mean either the eradication of all Jews in Israel or the displacement of all Jews in Israel, which means carting out every Jew from their historic homeland and either killing them or sending them somewhere else. And that would be done in the name of being anti-Nazi. That's right. There you go. It's 25 minutes to seven. Oh, that was Douglas Murray too, by the way. 25 minutes to seven, and we'll have some news at the top of the hour. Uh, In the meantime, what about a bit of country music? How about that? Angel sitting there with broken wings. A worn out cowboy, yeah, we've both been through some things. I've never been a savior, but you can put it all on me. But a saving grace to set this place, bartender, another drink. Let's just leave the tears on the label, catch a buzz from the neon sign. Baby, we can turn every table. But we can't turn back the time. Blame it on the whiskey, blame it on the wine, blame it on the band that's playing it or not. Don't think about tomorrow. Cause tomorrow's not tonight. Could be the fear of empty glasses, bringing on the honesty. Couple more slow dances could be the only thing we need. And girl, I'm not trying to take you home with me. This saving grace is at this place. Oh, we could just let it be. Let's just leave the tears on the label. Get the bug from the neon sign. Baby, we can turn every table. But we can't turn back the time. Blame it on the whiskey, blame it on the wine. Blame it on the band that's playing it or not Don't think about tomorrow Tomorrow's not tonight Leave the tears on the label Lay your hearts out on the line Baby, we can turn every table But we can't turn back the time Let's just leave the tears on the label Catch a bug from the neon sign Baby, we can turn every table But we can't turn back the time Blame it on the whiskey, blame it on the wine Blame it on the band that's playing it 
Liberty NZ on the wireless here with Grant Edwards till 8 o'clock and I uh, hope your morning's going well. It's a beautiful day where I am today. It uh, looks like it's going to be fantastic today and tomorrow. A uh, little bit of rain lurking about the bottom of the South Island, but after that, I think it's going to be a good, good weekend. Get some work done. Get some work done around the farm. I love working. Love it. Absolutely love it. Now, um, I wanted to bring you Steve Kirsch. I don't, for those who know Steve Kirsch, we heard him yesterday on the Alex Jones show. So this is him talking about not just the COVID-19 vaccine, but about childhood vaccines in general. Hi, it's Steve Kirsch. I'm really sorry I'm not there to be with you all uh, tonight. Uh, Shannon's book is, is just so, so important. I wish that every waiting room in America, in every pediatric practice, had a copy of that book, and it was given out to to every new parent in America. Wouldn't wouldn't that be spectacular? Because uh, she's right on in everything uh, that she says in the book, and uh, I, you know, I, I couldn't have said it better. I think the, maybe the only thing that uh, uh, that I noticed when I read the book was that. There are some excellent books uh, by Neil Miller on Amazon, and uh, they uh, all of them go through all the vaccines and, and show just how dangerous these vaccines are. And I did a survey of my followers. I had about 10,000, uh, close to 10,000 parents filling out forms for each of the, their children. And I have a mix of uh, parents who haven't vaccinated their kids at all uh, versus parents that have vaccinated. So I'm in a very unique position because I have a very high percentage of, of followers who didn't vaccinate their kids at all. So I was in a perfect position to be able to compare the results of parents who vaccinated their kids versus parents that uh didn't vaccinate their kids at all. And I actually asked them how many vaccines uh, each of their kids got. And I asked them what kind of uh, diseases uh, did they have, especially uh, chronic diseases. And it was astonishing to me that when I looked at the data, it's virtually a straight line. I mean, if, if I had faked this data to make it look perfect, I couldn't have done a better job. It basically showed that the rate or the probability of your getting a chronic disease is directly proportional to the number of vaccine shots your child received. The more vaccine shots, the greater the probability. Now, if vaccines didn't cause any of these chronic diseases at all, what you would see is a completely straight line. It would be completely flat because it wouldn't vary based on how many vaccines. It'd all be the this underlying probability. But the fact that there's a slope to the line and it goes up as you give more vaccines is undeniable proof that the more vaccines we give our kids, the worse the chronic diseases. And we're talking anything from food allergies to seizures to panda pans to autoimmune diseases to sinusitis um, uh, to epilepsy to autism to ADHD and more. I mean, I was stunned. I made a list of uh, about 25 chronic diseases and all of them 
were elevated in proportional to the number of vaccines a child was given. And when I saw that, I talked to Brian Hooker and Brian said he got the you know similar uh, results. Um, in, in fact, I matched my numbers. I did a computation of the odds ratio for autism and, and I came out at 4.5. I think um, there, uh, Tony Mawson did a study and he came out with uh, 4.0 and Brian Hooker did a study and it was 5.0. So I was right in the middle of these two. So I think I'm, I'm pretty confident in the results of these uh, uh, 10,000 parents and there's no incentive for them to lie. They didn't know what I was, what I was serving. But the more important thing is that I know of a clinic in the United States, I, and I'm not supposed to say where it is, they've been treating kids for 20, over 25 years now. They've treated thousands and thousands and thousands of kids, and none of them have any chronic diseases. There's no autism, there's no ADHD, there's no nothing. And so, um, there is a, there is now a, a paper that's going to be written about this clinic compared to other clinics. And of course, that's going to be even more evidence, uh, that what we're doing to our kids is unimaginable. And it's interesting that we don't seem to want to acknowledge that, uh, in this country at all. Um, you know, Brian Hooker was successful in video, in you know, video, in audio taping, um, uh, William Thompson, and that was the movie uh, Vax, which uh, which basically said that Thompson was ordered by CDC superiors to destroy all data that linked vaccines and autism. And this is done 23 years ago, and they never allowed that to come out. Congress, they, they uh, Bill Posey in Congress tried to get a hearing to do that, um, to have William Thompson testify, and he wasn't allowed to do that. They tried to get a, a bill passed in Congress to compare the fully unvaccinated with the fully vaccinated for health outcomes and order the NIH to do that. They had nine co-sponsors of that bill and it never got out of committee in the House of Representatives. So they don't want anyone to know that kids who are fully unvaccinated are way healthier than the kids who are fully vaccinated. And, you know, if I had known this as a parent, things have been a lot different uh, for my kids. And I'm, I'm 66 years old. I'm just finding out about this now. And I wish that um, I, I had found, found out about it sooner. And I think this book will help to, uh, to spread the word, um, among other things. And I really, really want to thank um, uh, Shannon uh, for, uh, for creating the book. And, uh, and putting together this, this event and for her efforts because it's all working together uh, as a team to help get the word out that the medical community has been lying to us for decades about vaccines. And I think now is, is our time. It's time to get the word out about these vaccines and how unsafe they are. And Shannon's book is an excellent way to do that. So thank you, uh, Shannon, and uh, thank you all for coming tonight. Well, what do you think of that? Pretty scary, isn't it? Did you hear him say that? 10,000 people in, in his survey, and out of the 1,000, 
that had never had childhood vaccine and parent the mother had never been vaccinated. Something like no chronic diseases, no um, neurological disorders or allergies. So you can see the link, can't you? Uh, yeah, I think so. And there's never been a study. Um, now, let's move over to Australia, and we've got the wonderful Marcia Hines. Now, she is. Um, she was speaking here. She said, don't get rid of your culture, but don't dwell. This is celebrity musician Marcia Hines. She urges immigrant Australians not to fuel ethnic divide. Uh, illustrious musician Marcia Hines says Australia... Australians with diverse backgrounds must not dwell on their cultures and seek to assimilate into society to reduce the likelihood of any ethnic division. I think that's really important, isn't it? When you go to a country, you've really got to assimilate. But what happens is when you bring too many in, uh, you don't assimilate, you you just go into your groups, and that's the problem. Australia's diverse multicultural communities must not create rifts in society driven on ethnic lines, but instead seek to assimilate, says celebrity musician Marcia Hines, while delivering a token of peace for a nation increasing, uh, increasingly widening in its cracks of division. Hines spoke to Sky News host Chris Kenny in an exclusive sit-down interview, using the time to reflect on the past five decades growing up in Australia after moving from the United States aged 16. The, I think she came here for hair, isn't, you know, that musical hair. The illustrious artist expressed sincere appreciation for a life that came her way without expectation but never made her feel unwelcome, particularly not on account of being ethnically diverse. Kenny and Hines exchanged thoughts on the increasing sentiments of racism within the country and whether those paralleled high levels of immigration or reflected a deep-seated levels of prejudice historically embedded into Australian society. You love Australia, don't you? asked Kenny. She said, yes, it's my home. The thing that I chose well, she says. I'm, um, she says she's a Bostonian. So it was quite easy to live in Australia because Boston and New England's very English. And so when I came here, it wasn't that much of a transition. I had hoped to speak another language, but you know. Hines remarked, modern day America is far worse in comparison to Australia Uh, on inflamed community tensions. It's very divided, isn't it? Uh, We're going through a time of division in Australia too. Do you think Australia handles it better than the US, Kenny asks. I don't think Australia has the prejudices that America has, she responds, with a smile, adding that she had not once been subject to racist attacks in her 54 years of living in Australia. I have to say, uh, on... Non, on, on confronting racism, uh, but I, I have not looked for it, she said. You know, people should get around the table and have good, good long talks, good old talks, black and white, good stuff, she said. Hines was born in Jamaica, rather born to Jamaican parents in Boston, where she spent her childhood and teenage years, coming to Australia to shoot the role in the stage production here. That's what I thought. She says her intention was never to settle in the country, but in hindsight, had no regrets for taking on the opportunity. Despite arriving during a racially contentious period governed by the white Australian policy, the musician says people were largely indifferent to her skin color, skin tone. Maybe because she was famous. I don't know. Um, but she's pleased she came here. She said, don't get rid of your culture. You are who you are. 
don't get rid of that because I just think it's so important to remember who you are, where you came from. But move on. Don't dwell. Move on. That's what she says. She and her um, Heinz's encouragement of immigrants to blend into Australian customs and traditions as opposed to embracing their own reflects the view of former Prime Minister John Howard who declared recently he always had trouble with the concept of multiculturalism. So why don't we hear from her? Um, yeah, she does. Concluding in the reference to the enormous rise in anti-Semitism, that's hatred of the Jewish people in Australia, they, they sort of pretend, to, oh no, it's not that, we don't know, we don't mind the Jews, it's just we don't like Zionism. Which is just just a cop out. Or we're not happy with Israel. No, it's just we don't like Israel, what they're doing to the Palestinians. But really, the, the, the root of it is they don't like the Jews. That's what it's about. And I've, I have experienced that. The first time I ever experienced anti-Semitism was when I was six years, uh, seven years old. It was during the 1967 Six-Day War. And our teacher was uh, telling us seven-year-olds in, at the Levin North Primary School that the Jews have stolen all the land off the Arabs and that they should be pushed into the sea. She, was, she really hated them. And she was trying to offload that hatred onto us, little seven-year-olds. Give me a child until he is seven, and after that I care not who has him. She was doing her bit. I don't know whether she was Arab or whether she was German or whether she's just a nutcase. I don't know. My father went to the headmaster when I went home and told him. Because I made a stand, I, st- I said, because I knew a little bit about things, went to Sunday school. And I knew that they were the Lord's chosen people. The Jews are his. Jesus was a Jew. He came to them first. He didn't come to the Gentiles. He went to the Jews first. They rejected him, but he still, and he's cast them out. He cast them out and scattered them throughout the whole world. But the Bible says he's going to bring them back into the world in their unbelief. Even though they still don't believe. And they've used his name as a swear word, a byword, Jesus Christ, all over Europe says it in Ezekiel 36. Just grab a King James Bible and read it for yourself. It's there. You don't have to read it if you don't want to. <laughs> and I advise you to. Then you'll get a bit of an understanding of what's going on. Anyway, let's hear from Marcia Hines before I talk through the news again. Here she is. This is um, a track that came out in 1977, and it's called You.
US-born, she's from Boston, a Bostonian, moved to Australia when she's 16 years old. Marcia Hines says you just got to get along. You love your culture, that's great, but she said you've got to move on. You've got to assimilate into the culture that you moved to. That's really the rule, isn't it? Very difficult, though, to do when there's a whole heap of you, when you have mass immigration. That doesn't work. So you can't allow too much of anything that's different to the culture that's already in your country. And the people that are living in your country, they need to know, you need to ask them, what kind of a country do you want it to be? What do you want to be in 50 years' time? No one ever consulted New Zealand or Australia or the United States. No one ever consulted them as to what sort of a country do we want. Back in the 1950s, we only had people that came here from, unless it was very rare, people from the United Kingdom or from Europe. But that all changed, didn't it? And they didn't care about the fabric, the makeup. They didn't think it through. They just thought about the financial side. We needed workers. We need workers. We need them now. But I think there was a deeper root cause, actually, to that, a deeper cause. And that was they knew that they could divide a country. The globalists knew that they could divide a country by bringing in a whole lot of foreigners. They knew it won't. They know it won't work. It doesn't work when you bring in a mass mass immigration. Does not work, and it just destroys. We've now lost our national identity. We've got nothing to nothing to be proud of. Nothing to fight for. Okay, we've got news now. It's seven o'clock. Now TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Recent images suggested Israeli forces are gearing up to flood Hamas's extensive tunnel network beneath the Gaza Strip with seawater. Israel reportedly has set up at least five pumps near the al-Shadi refugee camp, capable of transferring thousands of cubic meters of water per hour. This setup could potentially flood the 300-mile tunnel system within weeks. The objective is to force out individuals from the tunnels and render them unusable by using seawater from the Mediterranean. Images released by the IDF show numerous soldiers arranging black pipes on Gaza's sandy beaches. Additionally, Israeli media has shared videos of IDF soldiers working on these pipes, both above and below ground. As reported on Monday, Israel has prepared a series of large pumps that can be used to inundate Hamas's extensive tunnel network under the Gaza Strip, as per U.S. officials. This strategy aims to destroy the tunnels and eliminate any individuals hiding within them, according to statements made to the Wall Street Journal. However, there is uncertainty about whether Israel will deploy these pumps before the release of all Israeli hostages taken on October 7th, since flooding the tunnels could be lethal for the captives. Legislation in the U.K. requiring car makers to produce an escalating minimum quota of electric vehicles passed despite 38 Conservative MPs rebelling against it. On Monday evening, legislation bringing in the government's zero-emission vehicle mandate passed, which enforces an 80% target for electric vehicles as a percentage of new car sales by 2030. The regulation comes into force in January, mandating that 22% of each manufacturer's new vehicle registrations must be zero-emission. Under the ZEV mandate, manufacturers that fail to meet thresholds will be fined 15,000 pounds per internal combustion engine sold above the limits. Elon Musk has taken a swipe at Harvard President Claudine Gay as he offered to help her out on campus anti-Semitism. Musk posted on X, let me help them out here, calling for the genocide, death, of anyone obviously constitutes harassment. He was commenting on a post from billionaire Harvard donor and alumnus Bill Ackman, who has demanded Gay to resign after she refused to say that calling for the genocide of Jews was harassment. Ackman's post was accompanied by a video of Gay being grilled by Elise Stefanik, the chair of the House Republican Conference on Tuesday. Ackman, a hedge fund manager who in 2014 gave $26 million to the university, 
said on Tuesday he was outraged by the performance of Claudine Gay. Senator Marsha Blackburn and seven of her Republican colleagues have introduced legislation aimed at weakening the relationship between Iran and the Chinese Communist Party. Ms. Blackburn said in a December 5th statement accompanying the legislation that Iran would love nothing more than to enter into another nuclear deal that props up their terrorist activity and also benefits their fellow new axis of evil partner, Communist China. As Iran and the CCP commit egregious human rights abuses against their own citizens, and Iran backed Hamas and acts horrific violence against Israel, it's become increasingly critical that the Biden administration holds the Iranian regime fully accountable. There must be no nuclear deal until we can ensure our national security interests are protected. The legislation, called the Iran-China Accountability Act, would require a two-thirds vote in the Senate to ratify any nuclear agreement with Iran. Tuesday, during his Hannity televised town hall event on Fox News Channel, former President Donald Trump, a candidate for the 2024 GOP presidential nomination, reacted to claims he would be a dictator if re-elected to the presidency. Trump dismissed the claim overall, but in a tongue-in-cheek manner, suggested that on his first day he would be a dictator. You would never abuse power as retribution against anybody. Except for day one. Yeah. Except Look, what? He's going crazy. Except for day one. Meaning? I want to close the border and I want to drill. This has been James O'Neill with your TNT News Brief. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. This is a TNT Radio Encore. If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live. Okay, let's have a look at weather, shall we? We'll give you some weather in just a moment. It's coming up to six minutes past seven. Hello, everybody. This is the king. When I make a personal appearance, it's real important that I smell good. Uh, But these days, there's really a lot to overcome, so that's why I developed the most powerful cologne known to mankind. I tried Elvis Cologne. If your man doesn't shower regularly, doesn't change his underwear, or sweats like a pig, get him the cologne that's been stress-tested by the king himself. Elvis Cologne, in lotion, pump, or industrial spray drums. There we are. Uh, That's good. Now, look, I'm um, I'm actually just um, bringing in, I'm importing a... um I've got a video here, just a short one actually, of Melanie Phillips. I was trying to find her one that she did on um, a group thing when she was a journalist. Uh, but I've just got a very short one here um, of Melanie Phillips, and I'll bring you that in just a moment. Let me just, just bear with me one moment while I just put it in a little spot so that I won't forget it. There we are. And then I'll, I'll play you that a bit later on. Okay. Let's look at weather, and um, I think we've got some you know, new forecasts. Yes, Napier Airport now, they have the highest temperature, 17.6 degrees. The h- lowest temperature has actually dropped off a wee bit, past 6.3. We got up to 8, I think was the top, uh, the lowest temperature. Now it's it's gone even lower, th- 6.3. Castle Point, the wind is dropping away, w- was up to 76 kilometres per hour earlier this morning, I think about 5 o'clock. Now it's 50 kilometres per hour, which isn't too bad. What's that, about sort of 25 knots? Probably gusting. I think it's gusts, and I don't think it's constant. And the wettest place, no, nowhere wet. It's all good value all over the whole country. The short forecast for Northland of Waikato, also the Coromandel. Cloudy periods with the odd shower. For Waitomo to Kapiti, including Tongmurunui and Taihapi. Uh, mostly cloudy with a few showers clearing in the, this afternoon, then becoming fine. For the Bay of Plenty and Taupo, also for Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, you've got fine spells, scattered showers this afternoon, mainly about the ranges, some possibly heavy. For Wairarapa to Wellington, also for the Marlborough area and also Nelson. Fine at first, but areas of cloud this afternoon. 
and where you're going to have isolated showers about the ranges. For Buller and Westland, showers clearing this afternoon and becoming fine. For Canterbury and North Otago, fine this morning. Cloud increasing this afternoon with isolated showers. Some may be heavy inland. Remaining Otago and Southland, also Fiordland, you've got uh, fine weather. Uh, that's a, a fine weather about central Otago. Showers elsewhere clearing this afternoon, but becoming showers, uh, sorry, a few showers becoming persistent about Fiordland and Stewart Island. Um, and then for the Chatham Islands, you've got showers clearing this afternoon. The, the long range forecast. Ooh, is that flying over there? Oh, it's a great big hawk. Wonder what he's after. I hope he's not after one of my chooks. Um, extended forecast Friday, North Island mostly fine weather but isolated showers especially about the ranges, some heavy in the afternoon with possible thunderstorms about the Bay of Plenty for the South Island tomorrow, showers uh, isolated showers in the east clearing, cloud increasing in the west and then rain's going to be developing in Fiordland on Saturday in the North Island increasing high cloud, a few late showers in the south with northwesterly strengthening in the South Island on Saturday, rain with heavy falls developing in the west, ah, South Island, and the west and the south. High cloud increasing elsewhere, strong gusty northwesterlies. I thought it was going to be a good weekend. Doesn't look too good. Sunday for the North Island, scattered rain spreading north about Waikato. You've got a few showers further north. And then uh, also in the South Island, you've got, oh, this is on Sunday, you've got uh, rain in the north, then you've got west uh, on oh, north and west I should say then showers elsewhere clearing and then mainly fine with isolated afternoon and evening showers mainly inland though there we are that's the um, that's the weather and uh, yep that is the weather and now what are we going to do now well I've got a song from Klaus Schwab uh, Schwab uh, yes it is Dr. Evil and uh, I want to I, I actually like quite like to um, have a listen to Sam Gipp actually he's got this series and it's called what's the big deal about the king james bible i might bring you that between now and seven um also i'm trying to get melanie phillips to come in so we'll just try her again so that's me melanie where are you melanie um gosh it doesn't look like i've put it in the right spot uh, i'll try again just try and bring that one in there. I know I'm a bit disorganised this morning, aren't I? I shouldn't be doing this. We don't want silence. Here she is. Melanie. Oh, I've spelled it. Paul Phillips. <laughs> Melanie Phillips. Here we are. Looks as like it looks as though it's coming. Well, I want you to have a listen to her. So she's a very nice lady. Uh, yeah, this is Melanie Phillips. Have a listen to this. Just a short one. Anti-Semitism has always been present. Always will be present. But in a society which is healthy, it's kept right under the rug. It's kept under control. It's regarded with derision and disdain. It's stigmatized. It's kept down. That's a healthy society. That's a society that wants to live. A society which has turned on itself, which has turned against reason itself, which has turned against decency, is a society where anti-Semitism roars out unchecked. And that's what we have. And that's one of the most one of the single most alarming things, I think, about Western society at the moment, that the anti-Semitism that is engulfing these societies doesn't, isn't just in itself despicable and awful and dangerous and horrible. It's a signal that this society is going over the cliff. That's right. 
That's right. And, you know, and I, 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 Christians are falling for this, this stuff as well. And the reason, the reason for that is, it's actually, it actually comes from the Roman Catholic Church. It's called replacement theology. So they believe, they believe that when, this is the do- doctrine, that when, that God has finished with the Jews, they're gone, scattered, that's it. They, they, they refuse to teach their adherents that uh, God has a plan for them to come back, back into the land which he'd given them, um, and they come back in unbelief. And it's not until it's not until the Lord actually returns to Jerusalem itself, where he steps his foot on um, Mount of Olives, that they actually repent and look upon the, him who they uh, who their forebears um, pierced. They crucified him. So most Jews they reject they reject that the Messiah, that Jesus Christ, is the Messiah. They reject that, and that's okay. They're still the Lord's people. And there'll be a remnant uh, saved from them. I mean, I guess if you completely just reject even the Messiah, uh, you won't. But the Bible's pretty clear. But the is the uh, Roman Catholic Church, they believe that when the word Israel is mentioned in the Old Testament, it now no longer is referring to the actual physical nationality of Jews, the people that, that are descended from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And so they believe that it's the Roman Catholic Church. And now we've got people, it's sort of blurred, they've blurred it aloud because the Roman Catholic Church started the charismatic movement. So you've got people that are sort of that have come up through that Roman Catholic, that charismatic movement, where they sort of go away from Bible teaching and more to do with listening to people, you know, over the pulpit, people like Brian Tamaki and others. They listen to this sort of indoctrination. And uh, so they start to believe, and, and they spiritualize the word Israel, they, 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 and they think it means them. They think that the, the church, because the Roman Catholics, they, they think it, it's their church, only their church, but the new breed of, of Christians that are coming up now, they, their form of anti-Semitism, they don't realize that's what it is. They think it's f- fine. They think, oh no, we don't like Zionism, and they believe a lot of this propaganda that's out there, that Zionism is a bad thing. But Zionism is just a homeland for the Jews. That's all it means. But they try to pretend that it means something that it doesn't. Zionism. And it's really just propaganda. And it's a, it's a form. Well, it is. It's straight out unbridled. When you take the lid off it, when you undress it, it's straight out hatred of the Jewish people. Uh, which is, and you know, it's, why should that surprise us? The Bible says that the God of this world is the devil. Oh, there's another rabbit. Oh, no, this time it's a hare. They, they run different, didn't they? The hares, they sort of run like a little dog. And they stop. You can whistle them up. And, you know, and they'll stop. He's sitting there. I could go and shoot him, I suppose. But the trouble is, I wonder if I could get him from here. Look, let me just... I haven't had a hare for a while, so I'll do that. I'll, we'll give you Klaus's song, and I'll see if I... Oh, no, he's gone around the corner. By the time I walk around there, you'll be gone. No, forget it. But here's Klaus's... Oh, no, what was I talking about? Anti-Semitism, Israel, replacement theology. I think it's called supersessionism. Look it up. Go on. I know that, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, Wikipedia. I know that's full of rubbish. But there are some things in there that are quite good. But it'll tell you what this replacement theology is about. And that's why people have this idea that the Jews that are in Israel now aren't the Jews that's spoken of in, is, uh, in the Bible. 
they pretend that that's they're not the Jews. They they say that they are from the um, the synagogue of Satan. I'm not sure what the synagogue of Satan is. I don't believe. Then there's the Bible that says there are them that say that they are Jews and are not. Yeah, but I don't think that's referring to all the Jews in Israel at the moment. And why are they so hated? All of them. There's this deep-rooted hatred. Melanie Phillips is Jewish. And I think, I think the answer is it's a spiritual kind of a thing. Um, the Bible says the God of this world controls everyone that's on it unless you're a Christian, unless you're born again. The only kind of Christian there can be. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again. He said it in John chapter 3. Go and read it for yourself. We didn't make it up. It's not a make it, made up word, born again. <laughs> I'm a born again Christian. You know, and that's, you know, that hated. So there's two things that are hated really, isn't it? Jews and born again Christians, the worst of the lot. The two of the most important things in God's eyes and two, of the, two, two um, types of people that the devil absolutely hates with a passion. Because every time he looks at, really, in fact he hates you as well. He hates even atheists. Because every time, because because you're created, whether you believe it or not, you're created in the image of God. Every time Satan looks at you, he just sees the image. Of, he sees God. That's why he hates your guts. That's why he wants to kill you. <laughs> He's the God of this world. But the trouble is that when you become, when you are born into this world, you're born perfect, absolutely perfect without sin. And there's some funny Christians. They think you're actually born sinful, which is nonsense because that's uh, a Gnostic teaching. And that's because the new Bibles have been uh, tainted with um, agnostic teaching. They come from Alexandria, Egypt, where that was where the universities were that taught a lot of that stuff. And so that's why, if you read a, um, a corrupt Bible version, like well, just name any of them really, but you know the the New International Version, owned by Rupert Murdoch, <laughs> he owns that, uh, and. It says that, and I think it's in Psalms 51.5, open the book of Psalms in the middle, just open the book, Bible, it should fall open in the middle, should be Psalms, look up 51.5 in an NIV, or you can just go, you know, type it in, type it in online, and you'll find it, and just put um, KJV, or put NIV, and it'll say that David was a sinner from birth, basically, it's talking about the baby. David's confessing his sin uh, to God after he had Uriah the Hittite killed that's Bathsheba's wife the mother of King Solomon and um, but if you go and look at a, a different type of reading from a received text one that's underlined by the received text or what do they call that that sort of Antiochian text where Christians were first named that type of reading doesn't say that at all it actually the it says that the mother Basically, the subject matter is the mother, David's mother. And he said, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. It doesn't say he was a sinner from birth. So it's completely two different doctrines there. Same, says that they both say that they're Bibles, <laughs> but they're not the same. They've got slight changes in them. And that's what Satan does. He tells a lot of truth, and then he just blends a few lies into it, just like rat poison. You can't just give 100% rat poison to a rat. They won't eat it. So you give them 99% good food and 1% rat poison. They eat it and they die. And that's what it's like with the Bible versions. So David, he wasn't a sinner. So we're not born sinful. We 
become sinful and we fall, we, when, when we're older, uh, we break the, the law. The Bible, Bible says there's no, um, unless there's, there's no transgression unless you transgress the law. So there's no sin. You can only become a sinner when you transgress the law. Sin is transgression of the law. That's what I was trying to get out. And so babies can't be born sinners. And, that, and Jesus even confirmed that when he said, Suffer little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. So that tells you that they are actually fine, perfect. They belong to God. But when you grow older and you willfully sin, you and you're aware of your sin, you're responsible for it, then the Bible, you basically fall from grace. So you lose your kingship. And you become a child of disobedience. And you belong to Satan. And that's why Jesus said to those Pharisees, he said, ye, which is just plural for more than you know a group of you, ye are of your father the devil. I think he said that, ye are of your father the devil, yeah. Um, he's the god of this world. And so he controls the whole show. And so... Unless you are born again, unless you are actually a child of God, and you can be, he's actually made a way for you to become his child again. Even though you've broken all the laws, or some of them, I've broken quite a few of them, And, but he's made a way for us to escape that judgment, because it says that if you break God's law, the wages of that breaking God's law is death. So God became one of us and came to earth in human form, in the body of a man. In the Psalms it says, A body hast thou prepared me. And he came to earth, and he grew up, and he worked as a chippy with his father. And then he went on his ministry, and he never sinned. And he's the only man that's never ever sinned. And he was fully God, and fully man, according to the Bible, if you read an Antiochian version, which is really only found today in the King James Bible. God put it in English in 1611, and he only needs to do it once. English as we know it today. You think, oh, that's got all these old years. And... No, that's biblical language. The language of the day wasn't actually these and thines and all that sort of stuff. People started to emulate the Bible after it was published. If you look at the text, the dedicatory, if you get an old King James Bible and look at the dedicatory at the very beginning, there are no these or thous in it. They didn't speak that way. It's just perfectly translating from all the available texts, like the Greek and the Aramaic and um, the Coptic and the Armenian. There were much more texts available to the seventh, early 17th century, late 16th century translation committees. And I think there was about 47 or 48 translators that were involved in the King James Version. There were other English versions, but, but they weren't really English as we know it today. They were sort of Anglo-Saxon, one and two syllable words, and not quite like we have today. They used a lot of phonetic symbols as well in their English. And even up until the early 19th century, some of those old Bibles, I've got a copy of a 1813 Bible, which belonged to my great-great-grandfather, I believe, and grandmother, great-great-grandmother, and um, 
that has uh, sort of a, the um, the phonetic symbol for a sh sound, like ship. Uh, and it looks like an F with with the tail on it. It's just a phonetic symbol. F- not phonics, phonetics. And you can see what phonetics look like. And it's very important to study it, actually. Um, if you go and have a look in a, in a good dictionary, at the very beginning it'll have the phonetic symbols. So then you don't have to ask other people, how do you pronounce that word? You can just look at those phonetic symbols and learn them. And you can only, you can only really, you, can, you have to speak them, phono, ph- phonics, ph- sound. You have to actually say them. You can't sort of practice them in your head. You actually have to speak them out. It's quite interesting. It's like learning a different language, but it really helps your English. You know, and I was sort of, uh, I was born fine, fine, but then I was vaccine injured as a young boy. My parents said that you just sort of stopped asking questions and you started to develop a, a learning disability uh, after you had some shots or whatever. And so, and I struggled at school. Um, they called me, I said I was dyslexic. I mean, I struggle now. Sometimes I can read beautifully, perfectly, and other times I just can't get my eye to move ahead. And I really struggle, and you probably hear it. Probably do. Um, I'm having that sort of trouble at the moment. The last few days I've been like that. And so I have to work a lot harder than anybody else just to read a sentence. Sometimes I'll just look at a group of words and I just, I can't even start them, you know, just really struggle. But um, anyway, phonetic. But phonetics did help me a lot, actually, learning that. And it's a great thing. Um, But anyway, so the King James Bible. uh, So it's pretty much the same. Uh, except for it's like like I was saying it's it's like um, the the different Bible versions are almost identical, except for just a few variant readings, and those variant readings are really important. Um, there's another one that says uh, we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. Paul was writing, I think it's in Corinthians, not sure, writing to the church at Corinth. He said, we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. It's the only time the word corrupt, there's corruption and all that sort of stuff, but the word corrupt in that in the New Testament, it's the, only, it's the time when God is warning us that men will try to corrupt the word of God. And it's written there. But of course the new versions, they didn't, the devil doesn't want you to know that. And so he's changed that whole meaning and taken it out and put pedal. Now what does pedal mean? That means to go out and sell stuff, to, to go and offer things. You know, and so they've changed the whole meaning from corrupt to peddle. And so that means that people that, um, you know, preach the word of God or people that sell Bibles like the United Bible Society, or then those people are doing, uh, are doing bad things according to that verse. But that's not what the verse says in the um, Antiochian text. It says we're not as many which corrupt. So God is, but the devil doesn't want you to know that men will try to corrupt the word of God. So that he will. It also warns us there are corrupt versions of the word of God out there, and not at all not all the same. I mean, you can read any Bible, and it doesn't matter where it's from, whether it's from Alexandria. The, the, I'm talking about the text type, the type of reading, the variant readings, or, or, or you can read, you know, an, a TV, a TR, or, or that's a. Um, received text or a Textus Receptus. It's a type of reading. It's not a book called the Textus Receptus. It's a type of reading. You can read uh, that type. And the only one really available to us today is the King James Bible because even the New King James is not really a Textus Receptus. It doesn't come from that. It's not underlined by that that type of reading. It's actually a counterfeit Textus Receptus. 
it pretends that it comes from the King James Bible, which is more modern language, but in actual fact, it goes and takes Alexandrian readings in certain areas. Not all, but some, quite a, quite a lot, actually. So it's trying to pretend. So we know that's a counterfeit. And unless you are a counterfeit you know, expert, like with money, you could look at a $100 bill, two of them, and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. But people that study the text, the people that are aware of the Bible issue, they can look at it and go, ah, that's not actually what it claims to be. It's actually counterfeit. And that's what the King, New King James is. It's a counterfeit King James Bible, not, not the one you want. So why do you need all the Word of God? Well, the Bible says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And it says in Psalms, 5, Psalms 30 verse 5, it says, Every word of God is pure. Every. And so we need all of the words of God to grow. If you don't have the word of God, you can't grow today. And it says we're not to change it. And so what I'm going to do now, I'm, we're going to hear from Dr. Sam Gipp. I was going to play Klausch, but I won't do that. We'll do that later. Let's hear. This is the, it's only eight minutes, and it's coming up to half past seven. And um, this is Dr. Sam Gipp. You can find him on YouTube. He's got a whole series. And this is the, the first of, in that series. So have a listen to this. So people that aren't interested in Christianity, you can just switch off. <laughs> <laughs> or, or tolerate it but those of you that are Christians this is really for you uh, are you getting all the words of God in the Bible it says that as when you become a Christian you become a newborn person the Bible says and in Peter uh, that's the epistles of Peter I think it's First Peter 2 2 it could be second I can't remember it. Uh, but it says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby He's talking to a group of people, ye. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So we're taught in that little doctrine, that little verse there, that it's the word of God that helps us grow. But what do the corrupt versions say? They say, as babies drink pure milk that they may grow up to be saved. It takes out the word word and it gives you a different doctrine that you, that you are actually working to be saved you're on your you know you're working to try and be saved that you're not saved by just by believing which is what the bible teaches which is what my bible teaches but that particular verse doesn't say the same thing does it it's taken out the word of god the devil doesn't want you to know that that's how you grow so it's the words of the lord they're pure as purified in a fire of earth Purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. It's a promise God's going to keep his words. doesn't say he keep the manuscripts. doesn't say he keep the language. It says, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. What do the corrupt Bibles say in Psalms 12, 6 and 7? They change verse 7 and they say that the Lord will preserve the people. But the subject matter isn't the people. The subject matter is the words of the Lord. Thou shalt preserve them. And you only get that truth if you have a King James Bible. And then when you read an NIV or in some of the others, almost all of the others since 17, 1870, 1881 have been corrupted by the Alexandrian text type. So here's Dr. Sam Gipp explaining it to people. And so just keep an open mind. You know, you've got to look, you've got to understand what's to be said for the other side. That was Sir Robert Anderson. He said that. He was the Assistant Commissioner of Scotland Yard. 
and he was head of the criminal investigation department, what is to be said for the other side? So even though you don't agree with something, you've still got to know what the other side, you've got to know what the argument is on the other side. You've got to know it so well that you could debate it and win. And that's how you get to the truth, by knowing both sides of the argument well. Not just having a position and being unwilling or unable to address anything that's presented, any data that's presented that's negative to your position. That's not how you get to the truth. You see, as we looked at today, that, and I'll tell you guys, the, the question of the century is the final authority. That is the question. It's not world peace. It's not world hunger. It is what is the final authority. And, and I showed you, it is not man. It is certainly not education. And by no means is it science. Our final, absolute final authority in all matters of faith and practice is the Bible. And when I'm talking about the Bible, I'm not talking about some imaginary book that exists out there in the ether. I'm talking about a book that I'm holding in my hand right now. This book is the absolute final authority in all matters of faith and practice. So, review chapter 3. We'll give you a test next class on chapter 3 and on the material that you got here today. And we'll see you guys next week, okay? You guys have a good weekend. See you, Thanks for the You bet. Doc, you got a couple seconds? Yeah. You've been telling us that the final authority is the Bible, but, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's like 300 of them out there. I mean, which, which one are you talking about? Let me tell you, there's not 300, there's not 200, there's not 50, there's not 25, there's not 10, there's not five, there's not even three Bibles. There's just one? No, there's not one. There's two. Two Bibles. What, what, what do you mean there's only two Bibles? Well, listen, there's another class coming in here, so we can't hang around here. Sure. You got time for a cup of coffee? Uh, sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. Sure. We'll just go get a cup of coffee. Okay. We'll talk about oh, this. Okay. And when I say there's two Bibles, you go into a bookstore. I know. And you see a. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. And you see a bunch of them on a the shelf, and you go, oh, "No, there's got to be more than two. But the fact is that every Bible that you can buy today comes from only one of two locations. There's a line of manuscripts that come from from Antioch and Syria. There's another line of manuscripts that come from Alexandria in Egypt. Now. What do you know about from the Bible? What do you know about Antioch and Syria? I think it was the place where the disciples were first called Christians. Absolutely. We got our, our name Christian comes from Antioch. It was also the head of the New Testament church. When the Apostle Paul, when he went out to a, on a missionary journey, he, he left from Antioch. When he came back, he came back to Antioch. That was the center of New Testament Christianity. In fact, many of the originals that we have today may have been penned there. All right, today in existence on this planet are 5,909 Greek manuscripts of the New Testament, some entire, some entire books, some, some pieces of manuscript the size of this sugar pack. The vast majority read with what is known as the Texas Receptus. That is the Greek that comes out of Antioch. So it comes from Antioch through the Texas Receptus into the King James Bible right here on this desk. It'd be like this coffee, okay? This is the line of manuscripts, the vast, bigger than this one, because most of them come out of Antioch. The other line of manuscripts, which officially is known as the critical text, which if you think about that, just the fact that it's critical should tell you there's a problem, they went down to Alexandria, Egypt. Now, what do you know about Egypt from the Bible? 
not a lot of good. It kind of represented the world. Israelites were in slavery. Absolutely. In fact, when God wanted to use a bad example in uh, in the book of Revelation, he wants to say something about bad about Jerusalem. He compares it to Sodom and Egypt. So the only good thing about Egypt is it can, it can be used as a bad example. So good manuscripts went to Alexandria. Now, we not only get manuscripts, but we get something else from these two locations, and that's what I call a mentality, or a philosophy, if you will. The Antiochian mentality and the Alexandrian mentality, or philosophy, or view of the Bible. This one, Antiochian, the Bible is perfect and cannot be improved on. Alexandria, the Bible is not perfect and can be improved on. Now those two, what view of the Bible do you hold? Well, this one right here, but these are both still coffee. So you accept the Bible is perfect, and it cannot be improved on, correct? Yeah, yeah. And you say they're both coffee. The problem is that when some of these from Antioch came down into Alexandria, where they did not believe the Bible was perfect, they thought they could improve on it. And it's strange that people that think the Bible isn't perfect always think they're the ones that can improve on it. And so they began to make changes. Uh, an example, they didn't believe in a trinity. They didn't believe in a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So they took that verse out, 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. And they made these changes. And they said that they were taking a book that was imperfect and making it better. So after they got done, okay, there it is. Drink your coffee. And drink it? No, thanks. It's coffee, right? What's wrong with it? It's ruined. It's Exactly. Well, that's the same thing about modern translations. When you go into a Bible bookstore, if you see 25 Bibles, you're not seeing 25. You're seeing these two. You see the King James, that's Antiochian through the Texas Receptus to the King James. You see everything else, it's the Alexandrian through the critical text to New American Standard, uh, Living Bible, Good News for Modern Man, uh, Today's English Version, uh, Contemporary English Version, New International Version, all the modern... The NIV? Oh yeah, New International Version comes right out of Alexandria. Well, when I was like 12 years old, my grandma gave me a New International Version. In fact, she would read it to me. I still carry it with me today. And, mm -hmm. You know, actually, my dad got saved by reading out of a New International Version. Are you saying that maybe he's not saved? No, no, I wouldn't say that at all. Let me ask you this. Did your dad trust Jesus Christ as a personal Savior? Yeah. The Bible says the gospel is that Jesus Christ died according to Scripture, was buried, and rose again the third day according to Scripture. That is the gospel story. That gospel story can be found clearly in the King James Bible in 1 Corinthians 15. But you can find that gospel truth in many modern translations. So a person can come to the knowledge of their lost state and their need to trust Christ as their personal Savior through a modern translation. But if you can get saved out of a modern translation like the New International Version, why does it matter? Aren't they all kind of the same then? Well, they're both coffee, right? Yeah. You gonna drink this one? Oh, why not? It's been tainted. It's corrupted. Corrupted. You can lead somebody to Christ, showing them 15, 20 verses, right? Yeah. When I lead them to Christ, and I go, I've shown you a dozen verses, and you ended up saved. So what do you think is in the rest of this book for you? Growth. You can grow, because this one isn't corrupted, and this one is. Two Bibles, two coffees, pure, Corrupted. Could you show me in here where this one's been corrupted? Oh yeah, in fact there's 16 whole verses taken out of this and I really can't. I don't want you to accept the King James Bible as the perfect word of God because I say so. I just don't want you to say it's got mistakes in it because somebody else says so, all right? Because you're making a man your final authority. Remember back in class? It wasn't man is our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. It's what? The Bible. The Bible. 
All right, I will answer any question you have concerning this issue, but here's my problem. I've got to meet another guy in about five minutes. I don't want to, I don't want to leave him hanging. Here's what I'm asking from you. I want you to take what I give you, like what you saw today, and I want you to think about it. Will you think about it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. God bless you. Um, I'll see you in class, and we will uh, we'll get together. Maybe I'll make you another cup of coffee. Let's Sound good? See. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> it's good stuff. Yes. It's, it's a famous recipe out of Alexandria. <laughs> All right. Take care, buddy. Thanks. There we are, that's Dr. Sam Gipp, and you can find him yourself on YouTube, and uh, there's all sorts of some people out there trying to debunk him as well, so watch out for those. Uh, but if you want to actually see the whole series, is that a bit loud? Am I talking over something that's too loud? Possibly I am. I don't know, I haven't got my headphones on properly. Uh, yes, yeah, so Sam Gipp, find him on YouTube, Dr. Sam Gipp, and it's called What's to be Said About the... King James Bible. What's the big deal, rather? What's the big deal about the King James Bible? Look it up and make sure you get it from Sam Gipp himself. And uh, so it's a whole series, about eight minutes long, each of them, and it's good, good value. And then you'll know. Then you'll know then what the issue is, won't you? You'll know the other side. And uh, oh, I see we lost a few people there. We don't, they don't like talking. They don't like me talking about Christianity, do they? Or the Bible or anything like that. They're okay when I'm talking about politics and the money system and all that sort of stuff and playing a bit of country music but they don't like to hear about Jesus but one day you'll all stand before him and you, you'll have to give an account for your life and uh, he'll say well you had opportunity there you listened to that radio show there with that Grant Edwards and you, he gave you the gospel he showed you how you can get to heaven how you can you know what you need to do need to believe in me that I'm real that I'm true and he showed you absolute proof with the Daniel 70 weeks for example that's provable outside of the Bible that the Bible is actually true he's given you all the stuff and you still reject it because you belong to your father the devil that's what the Bible says you belong to your father the devil and uh, that's what happens when you sin against God you lose your kingship and you fall from grace and that's what happens when we're quite young and I think God gives us up to around about 20 years old because the children of, Israel, um, children of Israel, they were allowed to enter in. The young ones were allowed to enter in up until about the age of 20, I think it was. And it's found there in, in the Old Testament. So they were allowed to, even though in their unbelief, God allowed them to enter in. And that's wonderful for me because that gives me great hope that a lot of young people um, that have rejected Jesus Christ, they will, be, they will go to heaven because they aren't of an age fully to understand the enormity of the decision that they have to make. And I believe God gives them an opportunity, just like he did in the Old Testament. seems to repeat things. So that's wonderful, isn't it? Because why would God send a little child to hell? No. So I think they've got to be fully adult, about 20. And some of those reasons were, you know, that was why... Um, I mean, I think it might be 20, 21, can't quite, sure, quite remember. But I was given that truth by John McClone, actually. He showed me that. And then I went and read it and studied it. Because you never just listen to what someone tells you. You go and read it for yourself. Someone tells you something about the Bible, go and read it for yourself. Don't let them tell you. When they say, well, what that means is, don't let people tell you what the Bible means. You go and read it for yourself. And then and do some study. And then you can, and the Bible says that, when you approach the book that way, it says you need not that any man teach you. The Holy Spirit teaches us. And how do you get the Holy Spirit? Well, you believe by faith that Jesus Christ came to earth as a man, fully God, fully man, laid down his life for us to pay for all of our sins. 
and we believe that by faith. And the Bible says we believe that he went into the ground, that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again three days later, according to Scripture. That is the gospel. You'll find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're not talking about the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're talking about the gospel, the gospel, the good news. And the good news is that you don't have to pay for your own sins in hell. God's made a way for you to escape. He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for you. His son is God in human form. The father and the son are one. It's all through it. First, uh, and the, and the, the corrupt versions have tried to remove those portions of scripture which show that the father and the son are one. First, uh, John 5 and 7. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. The Johannine comma, they call it. That's what they like to call it, the critical text people. But it's there. It's there, it's in the, the, uh, the TR. It's a text that comes from Antioch, as Sam Gipp was saying. So go over to uh, Sam Gipp. You'll find him on YouTube, Dr. Sam Gipp, actual fact. He's a great guy. And I think he trained at Dr. Peter S. Ruckman's uh, church in Pensacola, Florida. Pretty sure he was. He's part of, of, of that, um, that Bible, I don't know if it's Bible Baptist, what do they call themselves? I think it might be Bible Baptist. Part of that. Ruckman, one of the smartest people on earth, had a, hu- a hugely high IQ and c- could read at an incredible, incredible amount, written many books. Um, and he's good. He's, he's kind of kind of harsh to listen to Dr. Peter S. Ruckman but I like I like him I like what he says I think he's bang on I believe that King James Bible is the word of God for today in every language <laughs> in English it is if you want the word of God today you've got to learn English you've got to learn and read that King James book it's not the word of God for today in English it is the word of God for today I don't know where it was before don't know whether it, some, obviously some kind of a Greek text but it was also in Armenian and all sorts of others, lots of copies. God didn't promise to preserve the manuscripts in the language. He promised to preserve his words. Uh, Psalms 12, 6 and 7. But you need a King James Bible to get that truth because it's been taken out. So many truths have been taken out of the Bible in the new version. So you're not going to get growth in the new versions. You'll know how to become one, as Dr. Sam Gipp said, but you won't, you won't grow. Jesus said the words, plural, the words that I say unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. And so, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, you don't get that in the new versions, the milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So that's how we grow as Christians, by reading the words and, and their spirit. So there's something about reading those words that sink down really deep into our soul. And that helps us grow as Christians and become strong, grow into grown-ups, grown-up Christians instead of baby Christians. Most of us are are baby Christians. We're still on the milk of the word. And uh, so we have a really shallow understanding of the Bible. I sometimes think, gosh, I don't want to meet the Lord and have, have not, you know, wasted my time on earth reading stupid books, reading silly stuff. Instead of reading that book, I want to know more about that book. Because, you know, that's, that's, that's the most important thing in the world, isn't it? 
and it, it possesses the necessary elements of being a divine revelation. So what would they be? What would those elements be? What would, what would have to convince you, a thinking person, that the Bible is what it claims to be? What would those elements need to be? What must it possess to convince us? Well, first of all, it must be available, mustn't it? Because, I mean, if there is a creator, which I believe there is, the first cause, then it's not reasonable that he would not want to communicate with us. Why? Because if we are created by God, that's what we do, isn't it? When we have children, we don't just leave them in a corner and not communicate with them. We talk to them. And we teach them. And we nurture them. And so it's just unreasonable that God would create us and then just leave us as orphans. So he'd want to communicate with us. That's what we do. Maybe that's why God's created us this way, to show us that the relationship that we have with our children, a healthy relationship, God wants to have with us, where we communicate with God. And so if you couldn't be with your children for whatever reason, what would be a good way to communicate with them? Well, you'd probably write letters to them, wouldn't you? And would you just write it to some of them and not to the others? Or would you make it available to all of them, your whole family? Well, the latter, wouldn't you? And so it's reasonable, isn't it, that if there is a God, that God would want to communicate with us and that he could reduce his words to writing so that generations, generation after generation, can have that, those letters from your Father in heaven, from the Creator. You can actually read them and find out all about the history of where you where you're born into. We are here, aren't we? I mean, we are on earth, aren't we? <laughs> we're in this world. That's a fact. And so we're trying to figure out if there is a creator, a first cause, would he want to communicate with us? I say he, just it's expedient. And would he reduce his words to writing? Well, yeah, I think he would. It's reasonable. It's not unreasonable, is it? That's what we do. And so, if if he is, if there is a creator, would those words would they be perfect when they were given to us, or would they be full of mistakes? It's the creator, after all, look at all around you. If, if all this was created by God, and I have no doubt it wasn't, but you know, some of you think it evolved from a rock. Um, but if there is a creator, it, it's all pretty pretty amazing, isn't it? So whoever could do this was. A super, a super um, being. So, if God has uh, given us uh, the Bible, if let's say if the Bible is what it claims to be, it would have to be perfect, wouldn't it, at the word level, perfect? And you go, oh, but men would corrupt it. Yes, but God would oversee that, surely, surely he, that that He would be able to. I mean, if He, the Bible says that God can translate us into the kingdom of His dear Son. So, if He can translate people, all the people that have died since the time began. If he can translate them, those that believe on him, into his, and even those that that came before Christ, the Bible says that he went down and preached to them, and many of them rose up with him. That's what the Bible says. It says the graves opened and many rose up, and they hung around for forty days before Jesus went back to heaven on the cloud. That's what it says, and um, so we're talking about the elements. Um, it would be reduced to writing. I think that's reasonable. It's not unreasonable. 
and it would be available to us, it should have, that's another element, it should have everything that we need to know in it. It should be comprehensive. And it should be comprehensible. Should be able to, the average person should be able to read it and understand it. After all, it's written to us. Uh, there might be some things that are difficult to understand. We might need to do a bit of study. May need to learn a different language. Might need to learn English to get all of it. In this instance, or you know, maybe in the future, if the Lord tarries, maybe maybe it's going to be put into Cantonese or Mandarin in the future. I don't know. I doubt it. I think the English is the end time language. I think this is the last one. But it should be comprehensible, understandable. It's got to be available, understandable, perfect. It should be perfect. If God is, if the Creator, it can do all this: create us, create life. Imagine how hard it is just to make a duck. <laughs> I'm going to make a duck. And God created all of that. It didn't evolve. Nothing comes from nothing. Non-living matter cannot reproduce living matter. It's nonsense. Evolution doesn't answer the question, where did life begin? The cutting-edge science says that there was always a self-existing life force present and all things came from that. Yeah, we, we agree. Yeah, we call it God, though. You don't. We call it God. And so there we are. That's some of the necessary elements. Now what else? Well, there have to be some supernatural element. So what have we got? First, it should be available to us. It should be understandable. It should be comprehensive. It should be perfect at the word level. should be no mistakes in it, because if it's got mistakes in it, it can't be from God. Can it? It has to be man-made, written by men. So if there's any provable errors in it, it can't be from God. Just chuck it out. It's not, it's not from God. There might be apparent contradictions and apparent errors, but if you did some study on them and you found, oh gosh, that actually isn't like that. Like, give, I'll give you one example. Uh, some of the Bible doubters out there, people like Dennis McKenzie who wrote um, a 900-page encyclopedia of biblical errancy where he, he uh, tears the Bibles apart. He particularly hates King James Bible people because they're the only ones he can't actually prove. He can't actually prove any of of his uh, apparent errors and con- uh, contradictions uh, thoroughly, he, and he gets so frustrated because you know he's he's got a he's got a narrative and he wants to follow it. And there are many corruptions in the new versions, and they're provable. And there are contradictions, and they are provable, but not in the King James Bible. And so we found when we studied that twenty about twenty three years ago, and I did this with our, with our class. We found there was about 100 um, of his 900-page encyclopedia of biblical errancy, about about 100 that needed to have some further study. I mean, there were simple ones, really, like, for example, he'd say, in one of the Gospels, it says the cloak they threw over Jesus was scarlet. It says they threw a scarlet um, cloak over him. Dressed him in that, and then in another gospel, it doesn't say scarlet; it says it was purple. And so there, there, that's a contradiction. And so McKinsey, PhD, atheist, dead now. He knows the truth now. Well, he doesn't actually. He's lying in the grave, dead. The dead know nothing. The spiritually dead know nothing. Only the living dead. Only the ones that put their trust in Christ. They, when they uh, go into the grave, they sleep. Their bodies are dead, but they're actually with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's what the Bible says. You can trust that. So anyway, um, 
when you read when you study the clothing you go further deep you go deeper in you see you study you're not just milky not a milky not just a little baby christian drinking milk when you go deeper into the bible you find out that the that the colors of the king are scarlet and purple and so both those gospels if you read them both together it's like a tapestry that just join them together and you find out you get a full so that's why if you read all the gospels matthew mark luke and john you get a full understanding of the gospel but just reading one of them it's just it's not enough it doesn't cover everything so you read them all and so we find out that the colors were scarlet and purple so it says that yet jesus is they threw a, a purple um rag over oh, sorry purple um rag a, a purple um cloak over him it was purple it had scarlet in it but it wasn't telling a lie was it it says it was purple and the other one says it was scarlet well it had scarlet and it was it was it not scarlet yes well it it did it had scarlet in it red but it also had purple in it so when you read the two together scarlet and purple so there's no error is there one uh, another one it says um go out and take take a staff with you when he was sending the disciples out two by two to preach Jesus said take a staff and in another uh, by another um, uh, part of the Bible it says uh, don't take staves well staff is singular and staves is plural so just take one there's heaps of heaps of them that there where McKinsey and others try to make out the King James Bible has provable errors and contradictions it has apparent ones and there's many many more and one of the best books you could get hold of would be Dennis Smackman he was actually he was um, one of the one of the people at the New Zealand School for Homeopathic Medicine a Christian he was he was the doctor Dr. Dennis Smackman and um, he wrote he's written a book called um, oh gosh I hope I can remember it Three minutes to eight as well, too, by the way. Um, what's it called now? The Words of Truth or something like that. Dennis Speckman. I think his son is still doing the work. So you could go online and you look up Dennis Speckman and you'll find it. He's written a, a book uh, and it's really worthwhile getting hold of. It's got a lot of them in there, a lot of the apparent contradictions. And he's done the study and, you, and he's got them all there for you so you can actually look at it. And so when people say to you oh look, he's got a mistake in it there because the devil wants you to doubt God's words that's what he did to Eve he tried to get her to doubt what God had said yes that's why he said yea hath God said did he, does he really mean that if you eat that fruit you'll be alright no come on did he really say that he was casting doubt in her mind and that's what the devil wants to do with you he doesn't want you to trust those words that are in your Bible that's, that's the whole idea but the Lord says the Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. It says it all through. It's the words of the Lord. Jesus said there's spirit and life. I said that before. Yeah, okay, two minutes two, and um, we've got news coming up. And so there we are. I hope you enjoyed that. I don't know, maybe you didn't. <laughs> let's see. Let's see if um, people stuck with it. Uh, oh, you've got a few. <laughs> I've got a few. Oh, look, when I start talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, I know they all just drop away. Oh, no, he's going to talk about God again. Yeah, I know. I know. You don't want to hear it. But one day you'll want to hear it. Okay, so I've got TNT Radio News going in the background there. And um, I'll do a quick refresh on Radio New Zealand News and see if there's anything new that's just come up. 
And the latest is just eight minutes ago. It says, I want to have full confidence in the police commissioner, Mark Mitchell. That's what he said. Mitchell has finally declared his full confidence. He's obviously gone and had a chat with Costa. Um, he's, he declares his full confidence in police commissioner, Andrew Costa, after repeatedly dodging the question. So why did he dodge the question? I, I think because he needed to ha- sit down and have a talk with Costa. Um, so this is the police minister, Mark Mitchell. He has finally declared his full confidence with police commissioner, Andrew Costa, after repeatedly dodging the question. Mitchell's has set his expectations of Costa, so he's basically told him, this is what I want from you, and if he doesn't, he'll be, he'll be sacked. Laying out the government's directions and priorities in a letter, the pair agreed to the terms when they met on Wednesday, and uh, so that's I think it's good, actual, in actual fact. I don't agree with everything that uh, Mitchell says, but I think it's actually quite good. Quite good that he waited for to have a conversation an in-depth conversation on Wednesday with Costa before he uh, uh, said, I'm going to support him. Uh, the minister has openly criticised the direction and organisations taken over the past six months. Uh, in the letter released by the Public Service Commissioner, Mitchell told police he wanted to move, a v- he wanted rather more visible police presence and new legislation used to crack down on gangs. Uh, I think that's important, and we need more cops on the beat, not just driving around in their cars. Okay, we'll go to TNT Radio News right now. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Israel says its troops have entered southern Gaza's largest city, Khan Yunus. The Israel Defense Forces say its troops have reached the heart of Khan Yunus and have the city surrounded, following what it describes as the most intense day of fighting so far. Israel says it's expanded its offensive into southern Gaza as part of its operation to eliminate Hamas, which is classified as a terrorist group by many countries. Speaking on Tuesday, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said his country's forces have so far killed around half of Hamas's commanders in the Gaza Strip. Our fighters are expanding the ground operation against Hamas in every place in the Strip, including the south. Tonight we operated there with massive force. The earth shook in Han Yunus. The earth shook in Jabalia. We besieged both of them. There is no place beyond our reach. We took control of the General Security Command of Hamas. Our brave soldiers are fighting powerfully against the killers. They are conducting close quarters battles. They are eliminating terrorists around the clock. Meanwhile, the World Health Organization says the security situation in Gaza is getting worse by the hour. As Israeli troops storm Khan Yunus in the south in pursuit of Hamas, there is little hope for the hundreds of thousands of Palestinian civilians caught in the crossfire. A billionaire Harvard donor and alumnus has demanded the university president to resign after she refused to say that calling for the genocide of Jews was harassment. Bill Ackman, a hedge fund manager who in 2014 gave $26 million to the university, said on Tuesday he was outraged by the performance of Claudine Gay. Ackman, who was Jewish, accused her of profound moral bankruptcy and said she and other university presidents who spoke at a congressional hearing on Tuesday must resign in disgrace. Gay was called to testify before the House Education Committee, along with the president of the University of Pennsylvania, Elizabeth McGill, and the president of MIT, Sally Kornbluth, who's Jewish. All three women were pressed by Elise Stefanik, the chair of the House Republican Conference, over their actions to stamp out anti-Semitism on their campuses. Harvard ranks the lowest when it comes to protecting Jewish students. This is why I've called for your resignation, and your testimony today, not being able to answer with moral clarity, speaks volumes. 
Australians are being warned to prepare for high temperatures as a heat wave grips many parts of the country. Much of New South Wales and parts of Queensland, South Australia, West Australia, the Northern Territory and the Australian Capital Territory are copying soaring temperatures that are expected to intensify towards the end of the week. Bureau of Meteorology Senior Meteorologist Miriam Bradbury said the hot weather had formed on the western side of the country and was gradually making its way eastwards. She told AAP the heat is lingering over Australia and is being held in place by a couple of high-pressure systems. Those systems are slow moving. Usually we can wait for cold fronts to sweep the heat out, but the high-pressure systems are holding it where it is. New South Wales residents are in for a sweltering period with a severe heat wave warning issued from Wednesday and expected to last well into the weekend. Tory MP Gareth Johnson has introduced a private member's bill to the Commons today aiming to overturn the controversial ultra-low emission zone expansion into Greater London. Mr. Johnson voiced his opinion that London Mayor Sadiq Khan lacks a mandate for the expansion, impacting those outside London who cannot vote for or against the mayor. He criticized the ULEZ as taxation without accountability, hitting lower-income individuals the hardest. The move has garnered support from Fair Fuel UK, a motorist pressure group which boasts 1.7 million members. Howard Cox, founder of Fair Fuel UK, echoed the sentiment, calling the extension a cash-grabbing scheme. Notably, Downing Street has not ruled out supporting the reversal of the ULEZ expansion. This has been James O'Neill with your TNT News Brief. We'll be back with another news break at the top of the next hour. Okay, uh, let's uh, go to. Uh, we'll ju- I'll do the weather. I'll do the weather in just one moment. Now, uh, shall I? I don't know. Don't know. Can't be bothered playing things. It takes too long. Otherwise, let's look at the extremes, and we've got Blenheim as the highest temperature now, nineteen point one degrees. Waiuru's coldest, eight point six. The windiest is Castle Point. It's actually whipped up a little bit there from 51 to 59 kilometres per hour. It got up to 76 around 5 o'clock this morning in Vicargo. A wee bit wet there, 0.2 millimetres of rain. And the short forecast for Northland, Waikato, including the Coromandel. Cloudy periods with the odd shower. For Waitomo to Kapiti, including Tomarunui and also... Oh, hang on, sorry, I'll say that again. The locals don't call it Tomarunui, they just say Taramanui. And Taihapi. So we better, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Uh, follow, they've got mostly cloudy today there in those areas. Um, mostly cloudy, a few showers clearing this afternoon and becoming fine for you. That's good. Great place, Ty Happy. Got, I've got a couple of standard bred horses, which I trained as, um, what were they? Yearlings. No, no, they weren't. They were younger. They were weanlings when I got those. They were about seven or eight months old. Beautiful horses. And they're now riding the hills of Ty Happy on a sheep farm. Beautiful they are what a wonderful life for them on with a stock saddle every day and uh oh, i miss those two abby miss abercrombie and mj she was called may jim july <laughs> and it was all to do with the with the lineage actually that's that's where we got all the names from anyway so in that area in taihapi waitomo and kapiti also taramanui and taihapi mostly cloudy with a few showers clearing this afternoon and they're becoming fine for the bay of plenty tapa also for gisborne and hawke's bay fine spells scattered showers this afternoon mainly about the ranges and some possibly heavy for wire rapid wellington also for marlborough and nelson fine at first but areas of cloud from this afternoon with isolated showers from about the ranges for Buller and Westland, showers clearing this afternoon and they're becoming fine. For Canterbury and North Otago, fine in the morning and then crowd, cloud increasing in the afternoon with isolated showers. And it's going to be, uh, some of them are going to be heavy inland. For the remainder of Otago, also for Southland and Fiordland, you've got fine weather about the 
central Otago area. Showers elsewhere clearing this afternoon. But a few showers are persisting about the Fiordland and Stewart Island area. And for the Chatham Islands, showers clearing this evening. Well, that's my lot for today, and I will be back tomorrow. Um, but before, actually, before I do go, let me, um, let me just uh, give you something here. Uh, because I was looking at the paper. Where was I? I was over at Radio New Zealand, and all of a sudden they've got some new stories. We were really struggling for stories this morning. But we'll have a bit of a look here. It says New Zealand, <laughs> it's trouble when you drink coffee. Um, you keep swallowing all the time. It doesn't, doesn't sound so good, does it? Um, what are we up to? Just gone eight minutes, eight minutes past eight. And um, New Zealand's approach to cutting emissions criticised by the climate researchers. New Zealand will need to spend billions. Oh, no, this is the trouble. See, they're trying to bankrupt the country. The globalists, you know, they've, they've invented this global warming caused by human beings, um, you know, by, by us just, um, you know, living our life, cars and that sort of stuff. And uh, so they wanted. This is all part of the Great Reset. Now, to do a Great Reset, you've got to smash what you've got. So this is what they're doing. So they're they're saying here that's going. They've got to spend billions. They're going to bankrupt all the all the all the countries, so they can bring in their Great Reset. So they can bring in their New World Order. That's the whole idea of it. So they say that you've got to spend billions on the, these projects, cutting emissions in other countries to make up for the climate change uh, commission. That's what they say. I'll read that again. New Zealand will need to spend billions on projects cutting emissions in other countries to make up for what the Climate Change Commission says was a late start to cutting greenhouse gases at home. Okay. Yeah. So let's just look at that. So let's have a listen to Piers Corbyn. Uh, His brother's a bit of a half-wit, but uh, I think he's an anti-Semite, hates the Jews, but I don't know. Hopefully hopefully Piers doesn't. But let's have a listen. He is a... um, He's a pretty cluey guy. Have a listen to this. The smog-filled cities and poor harvest are being seen by some environmentalists as signs of climate change. Let's now cross live to London to discuss this with Piers Corbyn. He's an astrophysicist and also founder of Weather Action. Uh, Good to have you. Thanks very much indeed for joining us live there in London. So what we are seeing here is a drastic change in climate, aren't we? Well, climate has always been changing, uh, but this has nothing to do with man. In fact, we predicted that there would be extreme heat in uh, East Europe and Russia this uh, summer. And uh, it's caused by a certain circulation pattern. CO2 does not cause circulation patterns. What causes those is a combination of solar activity and uh, the state of the, the phases of the moon. But hang on, Pierce, uh, wait, wait, fact, excuse me, just a minute. You say this isn't caused by man. How come they're reporting this heat wave is recognised as the worst in the thousand years of recorded history in well, Russia? Well, and surely well, of course. man has got something to do with this, hasn't he? No, nothing to do with it. The only, the only connection is man is here at the same time as the sun and the moon are doing things. Um, you see, a very similar situation happened about 132 years ago, where there was the same sun, earth, lunar, magnetic states. Um, there was uh, heat waves in Russia, and there were also floods in Pakistan, as now. And in the previous few years, there was also uh, floods in the English summers, uh, also 132 years ago. So these things are dictated by solar activity in the moon. They're nothing to do with mankind and those who say that are just trying to make money out but, of but, but, but are we not going to see this like. are we not going to see this again next year, the year on? I mean it's only well, it's quite recent that that's are, a very interesting question. These things do come in bursts and we're working on that very question, those forecasts. We did say there would be a series of wet summers in England, for example, uh, which we've had. Now will there be a series of these very hot 
hot summers in, in Russia, we don't know. We have to work on that. But I assure you, it's nothing to do with carbon dioxide. And if you stop stop driving around Moscow, it won't affect next summer one job. Well, how come then so many climate change scientists uh, disagree with you <laughs> and they get so much support well, for what they say? They're on a gravy train, for heaven's sake. That's right. Twelve minutes past eight, they're on a gravy cha- train. The gravy train, for heaven's sake. Piers Corbin, that's his name, and uh, he's an astrophysicist. Yes, and so there you go. See, you can take it from him. It's all a load of baloney, isn't it? It is. You can't believe any of the stuff they're telling us, and the media are all on board. They have to be. They have to be. If they don't say what the government want them to say, they will lose their jobs, especially the last one. Boy, oh boy, we had an absolute communist. Now we've got the fascists taken over. Uh, They're still globalists, though. And as I said, I've said this many times, the globalists, whoever controls all the, all the countries, which they are, that's what they're doing. You can see that. It's pretty clear, especially with communications we've got now. We can see what's going on. It's happening all over the world. They're doing exactly the same things in this country. They're doing it in every country all over the world. So there's obviously some, some outside force. So well, the laws don't come from within New Zealand. They come from outside New Zealand. And our politicians are following a foreign power. That used to be treason. That used to, that used to be punishable by the death penalty until it was changed. We talked about that yesterday. Um, who was it? Pa- uh, Palmer, Jeffrey Palmer, Sir Jeffrey Palmer. He had that changed. He was a lawyer, and so he got it changed. So I think they knew what was coming. Now, let's carry on. I'll just do quickly, because we didn't have much news at all, so I'll just have a look at some of these headlines. MetSafe reviewing new versions of the COVID-19 vaccine. You wouldn't believe it, would you? This has just come out. The organisation said it had accepted applications for the latest updates of the Pfizer and the Nov- Novavax vaccines which over the XBB 1.5 strain of Omicron, uh, over, cover, Mr. C on there, which cover those. See, this is rubbish. Absolute rubbish. They're doing their best, aren't they, to kill us. Don't take a vaccine. They're not vaccines. They want to kill us. That's what they're doing. And these people, they, they probably don't realise it. They probably think, oh, we're doing good. I just think they just fly, blindly follow. Um... You don't need to have that rubbish in your body. You, you think God made you to be jabbed with a needle every every three months or six months or every year? Do you think that's how he made you? Viruses don't exist. There are, there's no germs. There's microbes in the body. Cells that change. Go over to Dr. Sam Bailey. She used to be. She used to believe in germs. <laughs> Dr. Sam Bailey and her husband, Mark Bailey, have got about 30 years' experience between them, medical, clinical experience, practice certificates, uh, not more than that. They're, you know, proper doctors. They've, they've given up allopathic medicine, and I don't know what they do now, whether it's homeopathic or whatever, but they certainly don't believe in the allopathy, that you give one uh, drug. Uh, they don't believe in one drug that fits all. So, sorry, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, they don't believe even that um, antibiotics actually work. And they give you plenty of good evidence for why. So go to Dr. Sam Bailey. It's Dr. Sam, that's D-R, Sam Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y dot com, DrSamBailey.com. And go and have a skitter through some of her, um, some of the writings and some of the videos. You'll find her on Odyssey. I don't think she's on Rumble. She's on Odyssey. Pretty sure she is. They cut, they've chopped her off. 
She used to have her own show, you know. They chopped her off when she started saying anything negative about the COVID-19 because they smelt a rat. I think her husband, Mark, smelt it beforehand. And she's a co-author of a book called Virus Mania. That's a very important book. If you don't want to go out and buy the, the hardcover, just get just spend $10. It'll be the best $10 you ever spent and buy it on Kindle. Um, Virus Mania, she's a co-author of that. So her and her husband together, they're just wonderful people. I think they live in Christchurch, and they're very clever. And she's republished some old works of doctors that used to be here years ago, some old books where they warned us. Books that um, talked about terrain theory and the cellular theory, which means, means that all the things that they say are germs that are attacking you from the outside aren't germs at all. They're just your body's terrain, not being happy because of the bad food we're eating, the injections that we're taking, the water that we're drinking. We've got to have good healthy water, good quality food, plenty of protein in it, and lay off the carbohydrates because that is the worst thing. So if the terrain is not good in your body, you're going to get sick. And then the uh, the allopaths, they stick it under a microscope and they say, ah, you got a disease, this disease, oh, you got this germ, or oh, you got this virus. I believe viruses really aren't anything to do with um, anything in reality. I think they're just a, a way for the allopathic doctors when they're scratching their heads <laughs> and they're thinking, what is this? <laughs> when they've actually injured you with some drugs or um, you know, anaesthetists, for example, can give it, if they don't do it right. Well, if they, people, plenty of people have got heart murmurs from being anaesthetized and uh, all sorts of complaints. The pharmaceutical industry, they're responsible for m- m- so many deaths. I don't know why we trust them. The Baileys, they say, they say we need to take responsibility for our own health. We need to know, know our body better. And we do. You do know your body better. But you've got to study it. And there's nothing wrong with you doing your own research about your own self. So you can look at your symptoms, your presenting symptoms, and you can go and do some research. Um, but I would definitely go and listen to her. If you don't like reading, then you know go over to Odyssey and look at some of those videos and um, get, on, subscribe, get on the subscriber list. So they've both resigned from the medical council, whatever they call it, they've, they got out of that. And so they can't be held, you know, they can't be disciplined by them because that's what they try and do to you. Uh, they'll try and discipline you if you say anything that's, that's um, opposed to the government. The government, and the government aren't doctors. And a lot of the people, like Bloomfield, Sir Ashley, now they've given this murderer a knighthood. Uh, he hadn't been near a patient for 25 years and he was telling us all, telling experts from all around the world he thought he knew better but he didn't know better he was just following directives from the World Health Organization which is where he came from which is where he's gone back to and now he's doing his best to take away uh, New Zealand's individual rights for doctors that know what they're doing they're at the coalface dealing with patients with their presenting symptoms dealing with them uh, being able to make decisions based on their knowledge their training and their knowledge and so what we've got now, though, what's happened with the whole COVID thing, it's actually they've just had a thorough cleaning out. They've had a flush out. They thought, right, we need to have state doctors. We need to have doctors here that'll do what the World Health Organization tells us to do. That criminal Tedros, <laughs> he's just a front anyway. Um, we can't have thinking doctors, so we've got to get rid of them. How do we do that? Well, in a good way. We'll, um, we'll flush them out with the COVID, won't we? With the... Um, 
we'll find out, we'll, we'll, we'll mandate it that they've got to do this, that and the other and if they don't, they're out. And that's what they did. And some of them took, some of the doctors, the great doctors, who didn't agree with what the government was doing because they knew it was wrong, and others knew it was wrong, but they went along with it anyway, just like the Germans went along with the Nazi, Nazi Germany. They went along with it. They knew it was wrong, and they turned a blind eye. They looked the other way. And that's what doctors, a lot of them are doing. They know it's wrong, and they make an excuse, oh, I just followed Joe. And Joe says, oh, I just followed Jack, you know, Dr. Jack. Dr. Joe followed Jack, and Jack followed Mary, and Dr. Peter. <laughs> they just follow each other. The blind leading the blind. They're not doing their own individual research. They're not using their faculty that God's given them. Not using their brain. And that's what we found happened. But the great doctors, they didn't do that. The state doctors just did what they were told. And usually it's because there's money involved. You know, that's why it's really important not to be all mortgaged up. Not to be beholden to your employer or uh, the businesses that you're dealing with. Or the government, and of course, you see with the medical council, they've they've got them all by the short and curlies, haven't they? I've <laughs> got them. They can't step out of line. So the governments, the world government, has got the medical council, and they've got their people. They have infiltrated the cabinets <laughs> and the medical councils, and the local councils and the regional councils. They've all been infiltrated. That's how you take over the. All the countries, that's how you, you bring in your one world government. You've got to have control, central control. So anyway, the state doctors, they are now running the show, and all the good doctors have gone. They've left, and they've joined organizations like New Zealand Doctors Speaking Out With Science. .com, don't go to .co.nz, it's, a, it's, a, it's fake. They're pretending to be the, the real doctors speaking out with science. And you can find them at yeah, nzdsos.com, make sure you do the .com. They should have got them both, but they, they didn't. You know, they had a lot on the plate. Yeah, so these, that's, that's anyway, no, there you go. Uh, I'll just finish off the news. Now, we've got, so there we, I got a bit strung up there with the medical council. I can't believe they're still pushing the COVID thing on you. They still are. So you've got to get, do your, and they're trying to suppress all the stuff. They've got a whistleblower from inside the Ministry of Health, a senior analyst. He's got a PhD He's not just some worker that sweeps the floor there that's stolen equipment. They've tried to make it up. They've tried to make him look like that, but he's actually not. He built red flags into the system when there's a problem, and he's, there is problems, and he sent it overseas a long time ago. He's had, I think he's even spoken to Voices for Freedom, but he chose not to go with them. He chose to, to go through uh, Steve Kirsch, and in the end, he trusted Liz Gunn. He trusted them. Liz Gunn from New Zealand Loyal Political Party, which did very well too, by the way, when you consider it was only like 10 weeks out from the election and had more votes than even the big coalition minor parties. Big coalition minor. <laughs> mm. And so you'll see you'll see in the future that NZ Loyal will be a force to be reckoned with. Anyway, so this fellow, um, Barry, uh, Barry Young, um, he's not just some crackpot, which is the, what the media... Uh, are being um, told to tell you they're getting their press releases from the Ministry of Health and the government Winston Peters is a, a quiet he's laying low like a crocodile seeing which way the wind will blow as John Ansell says and um, and you're all being strung a, a lie you're all being taken for a ride aren't we being taken for a ride by the media by the government through the media and now we know 
that National and ACT and New Zealand First are no better than the last lot we had when it comes to uh, hiding the truth from us. They should be fully transparent on everything. There is, and they're trying to make out that all the information, personal information. No, it's just nonsense. It's obfuscated. There is no way. And many experts have looked at the data, and yet they're trying to say through the media that you know they've had their experts look at it, and you know blah blah blah. It, you know these experts, the government gets. You know they'll say whatever they want, whatever you want them to say if you pay them enough. <laughs> what would you like me to say? <laughs> <laughs> How much did you say I'll get? Oh yeah, sure. They're on the gravy train, as Piers Corbyn says. They're on a gravy train. And that's why it's really important to be financially independent, separate from anything. And not just with money, because they can control, they're controlling the bank accounts, aren't they? They'll shut your bank account down if you don't do the right things, say the right things. We saw that, didn't we, with the truckers in Canada. We saw it here in New Zealand. Billy Tikahika, they shut his bank account down. Shut one of mine down. That's what happens when you when you you start causing trouble and saying things they don't want you to know. Uh, now we move along down to Christchurch, the smelly Christchurch composting site to operate indoors close in 2026. I can't understand that heading. Came out of Narago. Residents have been complaining about the smell for 14 years, and councillors have now agreed to shift the processing into an industrial site in South Hornby. They're going to move it away. Well, I thought they were going to do that anyway. Now, a woman has been vindicated after the High Court rules, uh, rules a family court judge made a mistake. Well, this is an interesting one, this. High Court, the High Court has found, it's not the High Court, it's one judge has overruled another judge. The High Court, this is what they say, the High Court has found that a judge ineffectively teamed up with the lawyers of an ex-husband in a post-separation court battle. That's a shocking, that is very interesting that. So it would be interesting to see, to follow that case through, because I think there's something going on there between the two judges. And the judges are, because one judge, a male judge, he's overturned it. Now his name is Judge Kalanikos. He ruled in favour of the husband. And he found that the, the woman in the matrimonial property dispute, Mrs. P, we'll call her, um, was telling lies in her affidavit. And so he gave her home detention for perjury. Plus, he made her pay $250,000 in costs and she was declared bankrupt. Why? Because she lied in her affidavit, as many people do in their affidavits. And there doesn't seem to be any... Um, penalty for people, usually women, lying in their affidavit against their husbands, their ex-husbands, when they, when they over, especially with matrimonial stuff. And they just tell, I've got so many friends that have been through it, they're just absolute lies that she'll tell. And she'll write down this rubbish and she gets away with it. And so this judge, Judge Kalanikos, he ruled in favour of the husband because he, he, he believed, sitting on it, and he's a judge, for goodness sake. He was, he was a lawyer. They sort of hear a lot of truth and a lot of lies. They get to know, after a while, who's telling what. So this is the man judge ruled in favour of the husband, and I think because he, he felt that she was a liar. And so he, he, uh, he, 
made her pay for those lies, which I think is the way it should be. Good judge. That's a good judging. If it's all true, and I think it is. And then you've got another judge later on, a lady judge, a female. Now, what's her name? Um, it doesn't say. It did say, when I read it on another one. Here we are. High Court Justice Rebecca Ellis. This is in Gisborne. And she released on the 6th of December. Um, and she, she ruled in favour of the woman. And so that'll be very interesting. I, I'm going to dig into that one and find out whether this uh, Rebecca Ellis is a feminist. Probably is. I'm also going to find out whether there's any... What's going on with this Judge Kalinikos? What's he done? Is he out of favour now? Because they don't judges don't normally... Uh, really get stuck into each other like that in public so it's very interesting that one so I'm going to follow that through I'm going to follow it through because this new judge she says that the other the other judge teamed up with the lawyers for Mr P they effectively teamed up with the lawyers of an ex-husband to strip a woman of her property rights and force her to pay hundreds of thousands, no, just 250000 in legal costs. And the woman known as Mrs P, and her real name was permanent suppression, ruled against her in the 2015 family court judge Peter Kalanikos after the couple's separation agreement landed in the court. P, that's Mr P, was from a well-known Gisborne farming family and Mrs P was a teacher in Hawke's Bay. They were married for 16 years, and they were separated. Their relationship property included a farm and multiple houses. Judge Kalanikos ruled in her ex-favour's husband, but the repercussions went further than that, as well as losing her property rights, and matrimonial property rather. Mrs P was forced to serve a sentence of nine months' detention. Why? For lying in her affidavit. Perjury. So he found her to be, un- to be not reliable. I think it's good. Anyway, this other, this female, she's over, overturned it. Oh, so I'm going to get to the bottom of that. I want to re- I'm going to figure out what's going on there because I think there's more to that one than meets the eye. What other, what other stories have we got here? Concern, uh, what have we got? Concern over council move to extend alfresco dining charge. The council in Tauranga, they'll soon be, it'll cost business owners money to have their tables and chairs out on the street. And the local people there are up, up in arms. The council's just got, they just want to have, they just got to keep milking the ticket, don't they? Just finding ways. They're so bankrupt because they've been sending money. They've been, I think it's like dark money. They've been sh- sending money off for the smart cities, haven't they? They've been diverting, diverting our, our rates into these black ops, things that they haven't been telling us about. Every council in the country has signed up for smart cities. They all deny it. Who's that guy that was the mayor of, Wanganui, I was talking to Justin Pierce on the phone the other day, and he was talking about Michael Laws, who used to be the mayor of Wanganui, and he denied. He denied that he knew anything about. I think it was Smart Cities. I'm not sure. I think it was Smart Cities, or was it that he'd signed up for some, I don't know, some some sort of globalist thing, and he pretended he didn't know anything about it, but he actually did. Told a lie. Ah, yeah. Um, and so they're, they're diverting our money into these things that are to do with sustainable development. And we heard from Rosa Corey, 
that it's all it's all to do with getting you uh, taking off your taking your land away from you and get moving you out of the country and out of the suburbs and into the smart cities which are, they've got planned for us 5 10 15 and 20 minute cities just do a quick search smart cities it's real if you go to Counterspin media i mean the, the, there's plenty in the in the mainstream media talking about their smart cities they call them 15 minute cities where you where you walk um, the idea is it sounds all lovely where you'll actually live in this wonderful city uh, you know not far from work and everything will be at your fingertips and Klaus Schwab says you'll own nothing and be happy uh, I won't be happy I don't want to live in a, a high rise building I don't want to live in a smart city uh, it could it'll probably turn into a, a, a dumb ghetto that's what I think so I don't want to live that way but that's what they want us to do. They just want us to be um, neo-feudal slaves. And Rosa Corey, if you look her up there, Rosa is um, easy enough to spell, uh, R-O-S-A, but Corey is K-O-I-R-E. Look her up, have a listen to her, some of her videos. And she was, she's a Democrat, and she was involved with procurement. I think it was procurement, no, not procurement, um, imminent domain, that sort of thing, for the councils. Um, I think she was in California, where they basically take property off people. And then she she woke up, really, basically. And then she became, her and her uh, girlfriend became um, campaigners against, uh, you know, the government taking your land off you. And so, very good. So she tells us all about the sustainable development, how it sounds all lovely, but in actual fact it's not. It's just a, it's just a ploy they're using. The whole thing, all of it. The methane, gas and all that, the carbon tax and all that. It's all to do with taking your land off you so that you'll own nothing and be happy. That's the whole idea. Everything you read is all to do with that. And councils are moving money that they should be putting into fixing the potholes on the road, building infrastructure, into stupid things like um, making it so that you can't drive in your streets anymore, turning open streets into malls. You know, where, where there's, they put st- stupid things in the way. Big, you know, Work what they call art. It was rubbish, big hunks of concrete, and you know, tile put tiles on the on the road, and that where you're supposed to drive, and that, and they just make it into the sort of walk area, and they take away parking, so local businesses haven't got anywhere to park. Why is that? Well, they don't want small business; they want big business, public partner, private uh, private public partnerships. That's what they want. So they want the big the big companies. That are, that are tied to the government so they can control them. And that's where you've got to do your shopping. You go there and you're buying food that's been treated. <laughs> it's probably not good for you. In the future, it's just going to get worse and worse because they'll be able to do things to your food. And you, don't, you, you might not want to have that stuff done to your food. You want to be free. You want to eat food that's uncontaminated. You might want to eat food that's never, uh, where the animals not had any vaccines because they're looking at putting mRNA into the vaccines of animals. Why would they want to do that? Well, it's for the good of the animals. I think it's to get to us. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you uh, ate the meat of an animal that had mRNA vaccines in it. You could get very sick. It could be another way of inoculating you, so-called inoculation doesn't inoculate you, another way of poisoning you with their toxic killer drugs that they're giving you, that they're trying to do. And we've got a whistleblower. And he's come out 
and they're all in hiding. They're all trying to, they've shut the gate, but, but the horse has already bolted. And it's all over the world now. And he's a hero. But the news media, for those of you that don't look outside of the local newspaper here, the, you know, the, um, the RNZs and the, the um, news, uh, what is it, news hub, and stuff and all that, and you just watch what they do, which they, they can only say certain things. They're not allowed to say anything outside of it. They've got to use the group think, otherwise they'll lose their jobs. And they won't be able to, they can't tell you the truth. They have to say, they have to just make sure they, they do what they're told. They've got a certain area that they've got to stay with them. And it's not controlled by the journalists anyway. It's controlled by the editors and the producers. They are the ones that control the stories. I know that because I've been involved in publishing for many years. And I've known many, uh, many journalists. And, uh, you know, they've written great stories. I had a, a good friend. She wrote a, a good story and her editor completely changed it. Uh, I knew another lady that wrote a story about me. It was a good story about my publication that I had with my brother, um, Property Extra. And it was competing with Barry Coleman's uh, Property Press. And it was the, I think it was The Independent. I can't remember the name of it, but she wrote a really good story. She said, well, it was changed quite a bit uh, because I think this lady had a snitcher on Barry Coleman, the editor. And so they made it, it made me look good. But it wasn't very, very nice to Barry. Um, and they can do that. They can slant the news to make it, you know, fit the narrative. She didn't like Barry Coleman. I think she used to work for him. He owns National Business Review. I don't know if he still does. And he owned um, Property Press at the time. And we were setting up pretty much in opposition to, to Barry Coleman with um, Intermedia Group. We were publishing a number of real estate magazines which were taking away his profit. And this woman obviously liked the idea of that, and so she wrote a, a good story for us, but it was not a very good story for the Barry. Anyway, and so the journalist didn't write it that way. It was much fairer. She told me, I had, I had a, a meeting with her, and she said it, it wasn't like that. It was completely changed by her boss. And so that's what's happening in the media today. So the government controls the people they put there. I had another situation with Television New Zealand. I know for a fact that there was a guy from the SIS who was one of the producers of the news. And my wife at the time was with Television New Zealand. And um, she was a, a journalist there. And then I actually met another guy who was with the, who knew him, and he was a flippin' spy. And there he was, and then uh, my wife, I won't say no, she used to say that sometimes he'd just go away, he would just disappear, you know, go overseas or somewhere, and then he'd just come back straight into the job as if, you know, nothing, and couldn't believe it. And so this was this guy, he was, he basically controlled, pulled the strings of the news. So, and he was with the Secret Intelligence Service, they called it back then, the SIS. He was an agent there in the news. And I, heard, I know that for a fact because I know someone else that knew him who was in the service who actually piped up and told me that. Yeah, probably knocking on my door. Don't know. Anyway, so there's all sorts of shenanigans going on that we don't know about. But this whole thing, like with the methane gas, here's another one here. What's the story here? So methane pledge timing wasn't quite right for Fonterra. I think I talked about that around about five o'clock. Uh, major dairy companies from around the world have pledged to 
um, disclose and tackle methane emissions. See, that's that all that there is a way to destroy an economy. It's just it's just a it's a very very clever for a world government to take over that way. And then you've got Hipkins. He's a globalist. He's the last prime minister, leader of uh, Chris leader uh, Labour leader Chris Hipkins. He says the new government is taking a backward step by discouraging the use of Tereo. So that's division, you see. All, all the Maori speak English, and they want to bring in a new language, so they want one-sixth of the population, if that, to lord it over the other five-sixths, and that's division. That's what, uh, that's what they're doing. That's how they destroy the West. That's how they destroy nation-states, by causing division, divide and rule. Um, and then we've got another story here. The man accused of stealing, stealing vaccine data. It's our data. belongs to us. Speaking to conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, they run down Jones. And uh, they've made him look like a really bad person. But thinking people will look at that and hell, there's a bit more to that than meets the eye. Just like I think there's a wee bit more to that story about the judge. One judge overturning another judge. I think there's more to that. I'm going to look into that. Um, Algal Bloom prompts warning from health officials. What else have we got? And that's about it, really. So that's the, that's the news. I'm going to go. I should have gone half an hour ago. So I will see you tomorrow morning. I'm going to leave you with um, a couple of a little bit of comedy, and then we'll get back to the country music. And we'll start off with Billy T. James, and then we'll hear um, a wonderful song. You can buy it for Christmas, and you can send it out to all your friends. It's uh, Klaus Schwab's latest Christmas gift idea. Um, some of the top hits for, of uh, years gone by. <laughs> uh, sung by Klaus Schwab. Oh, come on, come on. Well, as you fellas can see, I'm not dressed for my brother-in-law's 25th. <laughs> Unless we know somebody's going to gate crash. Nah, I'm going to clear you fellas up on the art of getting a feed with the least amount of work. That's right, duck shooting. Now, first you've got to know when the shooting season starts, eh, which is about, well, about now, I suppose. Oh, you've also got to have a licence, too. <laughs> but the next thing you've got to have is one of these. Now, most people have two barrels, eh? But I only need one. Mind you, I can fit nine up here. There's <laughs> only allowed two at a time. Now, the ammo. You can get in the sports shop about... 10 bucks for a box of 25 but if you want to be a cheap if you want to save a bit of dough like me you uh, load your own you see because i load mine and i only put rice in mine because i don't kill them see i only stun them and i fatten them up take them home do my missus cook them <laughs> now, the ideal spot is a pond like this trouble is it's usually on somebody else's land so what you got to do is make sure that the owner's somewhere else see like about now old tom haitan is trying to drag one of his freezings out of the swamp down the back how do I know? I put it in there this morning. <laughs> oh, fuck. Good day there. Oh, hello. Hello. I'm Matheson. Oh, Tom Maitan, I'm the owner here. Oh, yes, you're the chappy I spoke to on the phone. No, no, not me, bro. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You gave me permission to shoot here. Oh, no, no. No, I wouldn't give anyone permission if I wanted to shoot him myself. Oh, I see. Oh, well, uh, I'll be toddling off then. It's quite a good spot, just, just along there. Yes, very sorry. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs>
Now, the good thing about this sort of arrangement is the perks, eh? Like, uh, like these four ducks he left behind. <laughs> a bottle of whiskey down here, too. And, oh, hang on. This. Oh, you're not allowed to shoot them on the water, too. So I wait till they go up on the bank. <laughs> this is called a bag. And where do I get my bag? From Waitana's place, of course. <laughs> now, some flash people, they use decoys, eh? I used to, but they make them so good nowadays that I blew all mine away. <laughs> some people win retrieving ducks. They use dogs, too. I used to, but for some reason she couldn't handle it. Mind you, I still bring her along. Hey, girl. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> then there's those no-all fellas that try and retrieve their ducks with thigh waders, but that means that everyone else has got to stop while they get their bag. So you've got to put them off from the start, eh, girl? Oh, hi there! I say, is the pond very deep? No, 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 you'll be right. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said the pond wasn't very deep! And he comes up to here on the ducks. <laughs> well, there it is, you fellas. Don't forget, shooting season only will last for a couple of weeks, so get in while stocks last. <laughs> Actually, that's not as silly as it sounds, because the ducks know, eh? Yeah, well, you'd know too if all your bros keep getting blown away at the same place all the time. So they either take off out to sea or they hang around town. But I'll tell you how to get those another time. So good hunting, but most of all, be careful. Otherwise, shoot. <laughs> hey, Hans, get back here. <laughs> you heard Klausy McSchwab's first two records. Back, scenes back, all night. You know nothing and be happy. But this one is gonna make your modified mRNA tingle. Time Lies presents Greatest Schwab's, Volume 15. A new world order in music. One, two, three, four, five. All the unvaccinated are still alive. A little bit of Pfizer in my arm, a little bit of BioNTech does no harm. A little Johnson Johnson does the trick, a little AstraZeneca so you don't get sick. It's booster number five. Let's talk about Vax, baby. Let's talk about Doc Fauci. Let's talk about all the weird and counter side effects, maybe. Let's talk about Vax. Let's talk about Vax a little, little, little. Come and take the seven shots, the seven shots. This a little luck you get. My, 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 oh! My, 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 You won't have to be rich with CBDC. You'll have all you need the central currency. We just take your extra wealth and your cash. And you can walk 500 steps, but not a single step more Until the curfew activates and robot cops stand at your door Just a small town boy drinking genetically modified soy This ensures he doesn't co-create Stop the bleeding. Stop the bleeding. We are almost nine billion people. Please stop.